the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Take Arenado, Goldie, and O'Neill against any of the the middle of the line, any of them, right now, right here, and feel really good about it. So St. Louis is a threat. You know, in a one game wild card, anything can happen. We get it. But I will tell you, with Wainwright on the mound and the team locked in as they are, they have as good a chance whether they play the Dodgers or the Giants of, of winning that game. Alex, I think I'm taking on an us against the world mentality. I think it's officially happening with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario and 101 ESPN. I was fuming this morning. Absolutely fuming. I read on MLB.com that the Cardinals apparently have the ninth best lineup of all of the 10 teams in the, in in the playoffs. I thought you were fuming because your hot takes were about to explode. Well, there's that too. All five of the Athletics Baseball Insiders took the Dodgers in this wild card game. What? You're going to take the 106-win team? That's unbelievable. The team that has never had the most wins in a wild card game before? I can't believe this, The experts are going with the Dodgers? 28 of the 35 Insiders from ESPN took the Dodgers. What? Why would they do something like that? The Athletic asked two coaches, two scouts, and two players to pick the game. Any guesses on what all six picked? The Cardinals. Cardinals. The Dodgers. Oh, come on! They probably talked to that Pirates man. Why? Just because they won 15 in a row? 16 in a row? I don't remember how many did they win. 17, 17. You're talking about the Dodgers? No, I was talking about the Cardinals. But the Dodgers are the team that all of these people are picking. I don't understand it. I'm not saying that the Dodgers shouldn't be a favorite in this game. Of course they should. They've got Max Scherzer on the mound. They've seemingly got all-stars at every level of their team. They have a pretty darn good manager. They're the back, the defending champions. Like, I get and it. you're confused as to why? I understand the why they're the favorites. But when I read Jeff Bleep in passing, oh, our who guy. I love that guy. and our respect guy. and appreciate, and he says that the Cardinals are not even in the same class, as the Dodgers? Well, are they? Yeah. Are, are we they sure? playing in the same game? They're both in the wild card game. Yeah, but I'm sure Jeff Passan's probably thinking, well, they were just handed the if, wild card game. If you look at the winning percentages since August 1st, so when the Cardinals have this version of their team, they're basically the same team since August 1st. If you look at what the Cardinals have done offensively since August 1st, you know where they rank among the five National League playoff teams? I'm going to go with second. First. Oh, didn't They're the expect best that. offense in the National League since August 1st. 
We don't have to talk about what they've done in their pitching side of things because it doesn't. <laughs> we don't have to well. talk about what happened before August, right? They're the best defensive team in the National League playoffs, and they're arguably, if not objectively, the best base running team in the National League that's currently in the playoffs. So don't tell me they're not in the same class as the Dodgers. They're not as good as them, but in the same class, get all the way out of here with that I'm one. So confused, isn't not? in the same class the same as not good as good as them no completely different are we sure yeah because if you this say like, like saying, you're not in the same class as a senior it's because you're not educated enough to be a senior yeah but if you're taking the same courses as the senior it doesn't matter if you're a senior or a junior what are yeah. you doogie hauser are you calling the cardinals doogie hauser <laughs> Look, in this we'll game let, we'll let Stephen a settle this who the hell do you think you are he got to go he got to go Jeff. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and I like the Jeff passing, but Tanner, come on. Tanner sounded like the guy from South Park. Get out of here. In I, all reality, though, BK, I mean, would you expect anything less? Everyone, national people were riding the high of the Cardinals, and everyone said, like, oh, yeah, they're going to be a tough team to deal with. But on paper, everyone's going to look at it and go, Max Scherzer against Adam Wainwright. Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Corey Seager, Trey Turner. Like, experts are going to look at that and be like, yeah, the, the Cardinals don't stand a chance. It's one game, man. It's one game. The Cardinals absolutely stand a chance in this game because they have the best defense in baseball this year. They have a lineup that, as you just heard from Jim Bowden, who joined us last week on the show, they have a lineup that can stack up against anybody. If you want to tell me that the Dodgers are in a different class than the Cardinals and you have all of these names that we're talking about that put them in that different class, shouldn't they have outproduced the Cardinals over the last two months? Because they haven't. They're pitching. I'm absolutely in agreement with everybody. Anybody that wants to stack up the Dodgers pitching against the Cardinals, the Dodgers are going to win that matchup 100 times out of 100. They're better in that department. I'm not sure that I'm for sure taking the Cardinals lineup. But it's absolutely in the conversation which one you would take. I, I'm willing to have that conversation between the Dodgers and the Cardinals, especially with Max Muncy potentially not playing in this game. Well, if we, he's out, these lineups are eerily similar. Well, man. We did this game last week where we went through every position of who we would take. And, and what? I think it was a 50-50 split right down the middle of Cardinals and Dodgers in yeah. terms of position players. So, And now that Muncy's out, you might give the advantage to the Cardinals. Yeah, because you're probably putting Cody Bellinger at first base. Now, maybe they're going to get Chris Taylor and A.J. Pollock playing. But again, I, I think I would take the outfield for the Cardinals over that with the exclusion of Mookie Betts right now. But the, the I'll off take Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, I mean, Tyler O'Neill was Mookie <laughs> Betts, but I mean, I think a lot of people might take Chris Taylor over Dylan Carlson. Yeah, I could see it. And then, I mean, I I don't really know A.J. Pollock's numbers. I would They're pretty good. Yeah, Personally, pretty I would good. take Harrison Bader's defense over Pollock's defense, but Pollock's offense has got to yeah. be better than Bader, so it's a 50-50 split there once again. The problem of what you said, like, yeah, it will take the Cardinals' offense over the Dodgers, or it's a 50-50 split. If they're going up against anybody except Max Scherzer. And that's why it comes to this point. And that's why I was so skeptical about going into a one game wild card against the Dodgers, because you're taking on a guy who has a pissed off side to him when he takes the mound in games like this, has history against the Cardinals with 22 strikeouts this season, 11 strikeouts in that NLCS. I'll keep citing that because it's important. That's why the experts look at it and say the Cardinals don't stand a chance. 
Which I don't disagree with. Shouldn't he have been better in his last two starts, though, if he's this unbeatable pitcher who struggled mightily in his last two starts against the Padres and the Rockies, who aren't as good offensively as the Cardinals are? I I sound like you. You do this where you have me side the way where I sound like the the give up 11 hits and six runs against the Padres in his most recent start. He gave up five earned runs in his start before that against the Rockies. I mean, what what am I missing here? Sorry, Steven. This is your king. This is your king. Don't you dare bring up that reference to me right now. Devil's advocate, because I don't agree with this. I think the Cardinals have a chance. That was against two teams that had nothing else to play for. Except to go out there and just beat up on the Dodgers. That's the Cardinals mentality going into this game. Like if if I'm Mike Schilt, the hell do we have to lose? But everybody, everybody is counting us out. Anywhere that you look right now, that's not here in St. Louis. They're all saying Oh, well, the Dodgers are, they want 100. The Dodgers are going to be the team that the majority of experts pick, not just to win this game, to win the World Series. They're going to be the consensus pick, I would imagine, to make it out of the National League this year. Yes, over the Giants, and yes, over whoever comes out of the other side of this bracket. Most people will be picking the Dodgers to make it to the World Series from the National League. And you're playing them in one game. So the hell do we have to lose if I'm Mike Schilt? The same mentality that the Padres and the Rockies had in those last couple of the last week of the season, the Cardinals should take that into the wild card game. Sorry, Alex. No, you make a great point because I sound like the jerk right now, and I and I don't appreciate that. I already feel an open coming for Friday. No, Ferrarios are saying they don't stand a chance. Play that one on Thursday for me. I never said that they don't have a chance. I think that the top of the lineup is going to be the biggest piece of this series against, I call it series, it's a one-game series against the Dodgers. That's right. That's where they got a shot. It it comes down to the first four, and I heard Randy talk about this with Claves earlier this morning. Tommy Edmond is is an X factor here. Because if Tommy Edmond can just go up there and say, the hell with this, you're Max Scherzer, who he has success against so far this season, and he he turns up to be Tommy Two Bags Edmond, that's right. Okay, I just wanted to no, appreciate Tommy that. Tommy extra base hit. Thank you. Yeah, you agree to it. He agreed to it the first time. If Tommy Edmond comes through, then right now I would put the one, two, three punch of Goldschmidt, O'Neill, Arenado, and then Carlson and Molina, however you prove it. I like that matchup against Max Scherzer in a one game. It's just, I think everyone's looking at it as Max Scherzer is Max Scherzer. Yeah, to, to me, it's going to be all about trying to jump him in the very first inning. The moment he settles in is the moment you're in for a long game. Yeah, if it's it, a one, two, three first. If it's a well, one, two, three, or maybe he has it, once he finds his groove, that's when you start. That's when things start to get ugly for you. If it's the second or third inning, and he just all of a sudden you can tell he's locked in, that's where the problem occurs, and that's why it, it's going to be important to try and jump him in the first inning. And we just had Brad Ausmus on. He talked about, well, maybe you bunt with somebody. And we talked about it with uh, Jeff Bannister as well in the day match with BK. I am curious to see if they try a little bit of with maybe Edmund or Bader, trying to whether it be bunt guys over or bunt for base hits. We saw Carlson bunt against the shift over the weekend. If they're going to do that against him, Look for the Cardinals and try and utilize that. Use their speed, play some small ball to try and get to Max Scherzer. Uh, they, the Dodgers, for what it's worth, have the worst defense in the National League of all of the teams that are remaining. It's because their third baseman's like 43 years old. He's like 43, and their first baseman is a guy that hasn't played a whole lot of first base, regardless of who it's going to be, whether it's Bellinger or Albert Pujols, who can't move at this point in his career. On the corners, they're not great defensively. Now, Turner's better than you'd expect, given his age. He's a solid defender over at third, but he's not Nolan Arenado. Can Corey Seager play third? He good, yeah. I mean, I think Justin Turner's a good third baseman. He's not going to be a good third baseman to play the bunt. 
He's fine. But, I mean, he can play third base for you. First base is going to be the biggest hole without Max Muncy. A- absolutely. I, and I don't know who they're going to go with there. Dan, Danny Mack brought up an interesting idea earlier today. Do you just go with uh, Pujols in this spot? Because, man, can you imagine anybody that's going to have more motivation after the Cardinals decided not to bring him back? They basically said, thanks, but no thanks. We're good. We don't need you here. We're going to go with Lars Newtbar and Jose Rondon. And Edmundo Sosa. You had to make it personal, didn't you? I, I mean, I'm just thinking if like. Say it, Matt Carpenter. And say Matt Carpenter. Everybody loves Jose Rondo. If uh, I was Albert Pujols and I heard them say that, I'd basically imagine in my mind they're telling me they don't think I can play yeah, anymore. But you could play pissed off all you want, but if you got plantar fasciitis and you can't move, it doesn't really matter at first base. I'd be laying down. Sure. I'd be treating Albert Pujols at first if I'm the Cardinals like I treated John Lester when he was with the Cubs. Absolutely. I, I mean, I would be running on him 24 7. I'd be bunting on Pujols 24 Four, seven. I'm totally with you, but I'm saying like if you're the if you're the Dodgers, do you go with him, who is as motivated as anybody, or do you go with Bellinger, who's been terrible for the vast majority of this season? Those are it, it's not you don't have a good option. That's why Max Muncy being out. It's weird because most teams can put like 15 different dudes at first base. It's like the one spot the Dodgers don't have a whole lot of versatility at. Can't Chris Taylor play there? Max Muncy against a righty specifically? Can Chris Taylor play there? He hasn't at any point yeah. in his major league career. Could he? Maybe. But do you want to try that experiment no. in a one game sample size? And then the other thing, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm thinking is, okay, well, let's put Justin Turner there. And then you could shift Corey Seager or Trey Turner to third base and then fill the void there because Chris Taylor or Mookie Betts has played the infield. You've got Gavin Lux as well. Exactly. So, but that's Although what I, he's I, getting some time in center field right now. That, God, the Dodgers are so freaking weird. They just decide to make everybody whatever they, they want. just play anywhere. Yeah, it, it's going to be, man, it's... It is such an interesting matchup in every possible way. And if you read anybody that tells you that these teams aren't in the same class, get all the way out of here. I'm Jeff shocked Hassan. that Passon said out of that because his coworker and David Schoenfield said this is nothing more but than a coin flip. Of course, it, it's 60. Any individual game is nothing more than like 65, 35 in terms of percent chance of winning I that game. The only thing that I, that I feel like with that is if you look at the Yankees Red Sox series, that one, like you can say they're in the same class. Because they're identical teams. And they had the same win total. Yeah. Like the Dodgers, I mean, the reason he's saying is because they're a 106-win team. I get it, but, man, so much of the analysis on this game is talking about the entire season. That doesn't matter anymore. All that matters is the teams that are going to be playing on Wednesday. And the team that will take the field for the Cardinals on Wednesday is personnel-wise. I'm not even talking about the mumbo-jumbo of they lost their swagger or... The actual individuals that will take the field are the individuals that have taken the field for the Cardinals over the last two months. I'm not even talking about just September when they went on that unbelievable run. I'm including August in this. And if you look at that, the Cardinals have the best offense since August 1st in the National League. If you look at what they've done defensive wise, best defense in the National League since August 1st. If you look at base running wise, most steals in the National League since August 1st. The only place that they are deficient relative to the rest of the National League playoff teams is pitching. And in my mind, the pitching is at least made better by the fact that you have that defense behind them. It's going to be a fascinating matchup, man. I think they're absolutely in the same class. I'm giving the Cardinals every chance to win, even though I'm with you. They're not the favorite in this one, but Man, some of the analysis on this, pretending that these teams are in completely different classes, is absolutely ridiculous. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, how is Mike Schultz going to manage this game? And what if Adam Wainwright gets in a tough spot early on? 
What does he do then? We'll talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. It's 11.15. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next, speaking of managers, we're going to talk to Terry Collins. He was the Mets manager from 2011 to 2017. He managed the wild card game back in 2016. What goes into the preparation for a game like this? We'll ask Terry Collins next on 101 ESPN. It's always about hope, big boy. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. He's Tanner Hendrickson, and I'm Brandon Kylie. We're getting a manager's perspective on what it's like to prepare for the wild card game, a win or go home scenario. And we're doing so with Terry Collins, the former Mets manager. He's joining us via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Terry, you managed the wild card game back in 2016. First of all, thanks so much for hopping on with us today. What is this like? The time right now while the Cardinals are prepping for this game uh, tomorrow evening, what is this time period like for that coaching staff? Well, I mean, you try to sit down a game plan, which is very, very difficult in baseball, as you guys know. But, you know, the one thing about the wild card is, hey, look, there are no, you can't, there are nothing, you can't use, there's not use anybody. I mean, you've got to have everybody ready. You, your bullpen is everybody that's not, every starting pitcher's down there. I mean, you've got to win today or you don't, you know, you don't play anymore. So that's, you know, that's the way we, we tried to approach it. We, we started Noah Syndergaard in that game. We felt, hey, look, you know, he's going to give us five or six quality innings, which he did. Uh, we just ran into Madison Bumgarner, who was probably the best October pitcher in, in the modern baseball. So, you know, it was tough for us. But I, I think as you prepare, there's, you know, you, you just say, and the Cardinals are red hot. I mean, you can't, nobody goes into playoffs in better shape than the Cardinals are right now. And, so I just think, hey, look, you got to let him go play. And I think Mike's done a great job with that. Uh, Terry, uh, we in the media, I mean, we always look for stories that we can discuss and get into when you're leading into a wild card game. And I know from the players' perspective and, and players and management perspective, they always say, you know, we don't focus on the outside noise. We're only focusing on Wednesday's game. How difficult is it to do that? And does some of that outside 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 noise, easy for me to say, huh. seep in when other people are just saying that the Cardinals have no chance against a Dodgers team? Well, I, I just totally disagree with that. I mean, again, if you get hot at the right time, you can beat anybody. And right now, nobody's hotter than St. Louis Cardinals. So I mean, they got they got to feel pretty good about what's going what's going on as they get ready for the playoffs. But you know what? Hey, look. The one thing I've always said, do not think players are naive. They know what's being talked about. They also know how good the Dodgers are. I mean, it's a it's a well-known fact. The guys have been, what, eight years in a row? They're nine years in a row. They've been in the playoffs, and they've won a world championship and been in the World Series three times. Those guys know that. But they also know, hey, look, we're really good. We're playing. Nobody's playing better than we are right now. Let's just continue to play the way we've been playing. Terry, how much advanced scouting is there going into games like this? Is, is there a lot of that going? I, I know you mentioned the numbers and how you kind of you almost have to throw out some of that stuff going into a one-game sample size. But when it comes to advanced scouting, especially with the starting pitcher on the other side with Scherzer, how much of the of that is there going into a wild card game? Well, you can you can rest assured that the Cardinals had scouts following the Dodgers and the Giants for the last ten days of the season, where they saw every pitcher. They saw every every hitter. Uh, you know, they, they probably sent two or three guys in as a team to follow and, and look at every every area there is. So they're well prepared. You, everybody's got to be able. You know, everybody's faced Scherzer. Everybody's faced certainly Adams. So 
it, you know, you're going in with no surprises. You know exactly, but you got to go execute, and that's what the game is all about. Speaking of Scherzer, uh, Terry, you faced someone who was at that status of Max Scherzer in that wild card game uh, against San Francisco. It was Madison Bumgarner, who was just unreal at the time. From a manager's point of view, how do you approach a pitcher like that who has just been lights out all season long, and you know it's a diff- difficult matchup? Well, you know one thing, nobody's perfect, and he's going to make mistakes, and you got to be ready for him. Uh, you know, and, and today's game with all the numbers, you know, you can't go up the home plate with doubt in your mind. Hey, look, you know, hey, 33, I'm a 30% chance I'm going to get a slider here and 30% chance I'm going to get a fastball. You've got to go in and say, look, go up with a game plan and execute your game plan. You know what? And if he beats you, he beats you. But the minute you have doubt in your mind about what's coming, he's going to win because that's how good those good pitchers do it. They just continue, you know, to get you out. But, so, you know, and I, I just followed, I, I did the Cardinal series against the Mets uh, in the radio, and I saw how well they executed both offensively and defensively. And if they continue to do what they did against the Mets, and that is don't worry about, hey, they got, they must have scored 10 runs going the opposite of what the shifts were. You know, and the Dodgers are a team of shifts. They're, they're certainly an analytic teams. And the Cardinals, with two strikes, I saw, I saw, uh, Goldschmidt do it. I saw Arenado do it. I saw Yachty do it. Take a base hit, strike field, and drive in a big run. And that's what you've got to do to beat Max Scherzer. Terry Collins is our guest here on 101 ESPN. He managed the Mets from 2011 to 2017, took them to the World Series back in 2015. Uh, Terry, I am curious, when you were preparing for whether it be the wild card game or just uh, NLDS, the playoff games that you have been in in your career, how many different scenarios are you going through with your coaches prior to that game? Like right now, as Mike Schilt is sitting, whether it be with Mike Maddox or his bench coach, what are some of the conversations that are being had about, hey, if we get into this scenario in the third inning, here's what we do and so on and so forth? Right, and that's exactly what you do. You sit there and look at who you have. Now, again, I don't know what the situation is with with, with Cardinals, but I know, you know, you've got, I know Adam's going to start the game. So you may have, John Lester ready. You might have someone else ready that's, you know, that, look, we're going to put him in a situation. If they get to Adam early, we're going to go to this guy. We got to you know, get two innings out of it. And because you know who, you know who the Dodger, what the Dodger lineup's going to look like. So you've got to have certain guys ready. And of course, in today's game where you've got to pick, get three outs, those guys are big. You've got to have those guys that you know can go through three or four guys in that, in that Dodger lineup without any problem. Terry, from a manager's perspective, what's the most difficult part to manage in a wild card game? I think you're, you can outsmart the other manager, you know, that you're going to do something that, that he does, he's not aware of. Because, you know what, when you get in the playoff scenario, both teams are very good, and you've got to let the players play. You've got to, you know, look, you've got to get them prepared. you got to, you know, certainly they're, they're, you don't have to talk. You don't have to give them a pep talk. The adrenaline's flowing. They're excited. The crowd's crazy. You know, so it, all, the, all the intangibles are there. Now you just got to continue to say, hey, guys, do not change the way we've been playing. Do not do anything different. You catch the Cardinals catch the ball great. You know they they offensive. They are very very good on the bases. And they and you know the one thing that they hey we can't walk guys. You know and that's that was one of their certainly one of the things the Cardinals did that that, that said God they cannot do in the playoffs. So you can't walk guys and and let those the middle of that lineup keep coming back up. Terry, kind of a follow up there. How would you approach Adam Wainwright in this scenario then? Because I mean yes you have a a grizzled vet who has been in the league a long time but you know he's been able to get out of scenarios this season. But if you get into a tight jam against the Dodgers early on, are you willing to pull the string early and go to your bullpen with Wayno? 
Well, I, again, I think you've got to go with what you've been watching. And, you know, I, and Adam's one of those guys that, hey, look, he, he knows how to get out of trouble. He didn't get to where, he, where he's at today in this game without being able to pitch out of jams. So, hey, look, maybe the first, but you know what? If it looks like today's not today, hey, if he doesn't have a feel for his breaking ball, if he's not commanding his fastball like, you know, the game I saw him pitch in, in person, I mean, he moved that fastball in and out, up and down, tremendous command. Now, if that command's gone, yeah, you got to say, listen, we don't have a chance to, we don't have right now an opportunity to let him go five innings to where he finally gets a feel for pitches. We got we to make changes. And that's why I say, there's nobody in that bullpen, and you got to put some starting pitchers down there that you know if, if they get in a jam, they're ready to come in and, and certainly try to bail you out. Terry, what do you find most interesting about this matchup between the Cardinals and the Dodgers? Well, what the Cardinals did at the end of the year certainly is incredible. And I find, and I, I the, six, the three games I watched them play the Mets, I didn't see anybody execute on both sides of the ball as well as the Cardinals did. And I know going in, if you're going to win a playoff game, those are the things you have to do. You have to make plays. You have to execute. You can't make errors and give them 28, 29 outs. You can only, hey, look, you've got to keep it down. You've got to make them swing the bat to get on base because they're an awful dangerous lineup. Uh, but, but I like what the Cardinals have done. I like the way they play. Uh, certainly, you know, they got a big task. You know, Max Scherzer is really, really good. But but that's that's what you enjoy. That's that's why you, these guys are in the big leagues. This is where the that's the most fun. There was nothing more exciting than get ready for a playoff game, knowing that you're playing, you know, the best, the another good team that's the best in the world, and, and you know, and you get fired up for it, and, and there's you know, and, and that that adrenaline's going to carry you a long way. So Terry, I know it's only one been, been one wild card game for you, and that one was played at home. But do you prefer, from a manager's perspective, a, a home wild card game, or did you prefer to be on the road? Uh, you know what? I took the advice one time of Joe Torrey when I first got the job in New York, and we got in the playoffs in, in 2015. And Joe called me and he said, "Let me tell you something. Don't worry about where the games are." <laughs> he said, "If you got if you got somebody that can shut the game down at the end of the game, it doesn't really matter where you are." But he said, because the noise is going to, whether you're home or away, there's going to be a lot of noise. And he said, just get ready for it. But don't worry about where you play. Terry Collins is our guest. This is my final question for him. Mets manager from 2011 to 2017. He managed in the wild card, wild card game rather back in 2016. Took the Mets to the World Series in 15. Terry, if I had to get a prediction from you out of how you think this game's going to be played, whether it be a final score or win or whatever, but how you think this game will be played specifically, what are you anticipating tomorrow night? Well, I, again, I mean, you got to look at what the Dodgers have done. You know, they have they won 106 games. I mean, they had and they, they had to play the Giants 19 times, and you know, they've had to play good teams like everybody else. But I'm just going to tell you, I I know one thing: momentum is when you go into playoffs and you have momentum on your side, you have the advantage. And I think the Dodgers, they're certainly very, very good, but I think the Cardinals have a lot of momentum on their side. They've got a, you know, a crusty veteran on that mound. And if they continue to do what I saw them do, and that is just take what the other team gives them, I think the Cardinals have a great chance. I love it. Terry, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much for hopping on with us today. Hopefully we can talk again soon as the Cardinals go on a run here in the postseason. That'd be great, guys. Good luck. Thanks, Terry. Absolutely. That's Terry Collins joining us here on 101 ESPN, former Mets manager, joining us here on BK and Ferrari. Who was the one that said momentum doesn't matter? Do you remember who the guest was? Don't remember. Do you remember, T-Bone? Was it Jeff? 
No, it was somebody last week where we had him on. Was they, it Jim Bowden? Yeah, might have Jim, Bo- been Jim Bowden. Because then we had two but guests. But he also told us that he'd take the Cardinals lineup, the middle of their lineup against anybody, so he's on our good list. Yeah, you must have paid him under the table. He's on our good list. Terry Collins also on our I good list. I love Terry Collins, man. He's that was fantastic. Fun. Um, you know what? The one thing that resonated about what he said to me, he mentioned how the Cardinals take advantage of all of the opportunities that they're given. And what he's talking about there is like, when they have an opportunity to take an extra base, they're going for it. When they have an opportunity to make an extra out, they're getting it. When they have an opportunity to run like hell down the first baseline to uh, run out, leg out a single, they're going to take that. They get like 28, 29, 30 outs in a game. And that's a weird thing to say, but this is what I mean. They put so much pressure on the opposing defense that they force mental errors. And those mental errors become physical errors a lot of the time. Bad throw to first base, um, throwing to the wrong base, Uh, guys that end up doing something where like Harrison Bader scoring from second on a sack fly. These are things that don't typically happen because so many teams are hesitant now to be aggressive on the base pass. The Cardinals are not, and they're going to go the other way. And all of these different things start adding up, and it increases your margin for error. And the Cardinals going into this game, I was curious, you know, the Dodgers have not rated particularly well this year as a defensive team. They're fine, but they're like more towards the middle of the pack in all of baseball, towards the bottom of the pack among the playoff teams. You know who their best defender was this year, analytically speaking, which you can take him or leave him, but based on the numbers, Albert you know who Pujols. their best defender was this year? Take another guess. <laughs> what does that mean? Mookie Betts. I would say Chris Taylor. Max Muncie. Oh, that How about sucks. That? Max that Muncie guess. was their best defender this year based on some of the political numbers, and he ain't going to be playing tomorrow night. That's significant, man. If you go into this game as the Dodgers and you already have a slightly below average team relative to the competition defensively, that is going to be the thing that if the Cardinals win, that's how they do it. That's how they do it is by pushing like hell and making them make plays that they're not used to making, running out a dribbler to third base, um, taking an extra base on one that they're not expecting you to. Those are the kinds of things that they've got to do in this type of a game. (sighs) We found out the mystery of who it was that doesn't believe in momentum. It was Ned Yost. It was Ned Yost. Thank you, BT, coming through clutch for me. Ned Yost, Yost. Kansas City Royals manager. And I and I, I like love Ned Yost. Too, I, don't I don't believe. See, that's crazy to me though, because they wrote all of the momentum back in 2014. Yeah. Well, he doesn't want to give momentum credit. Oh yeah, you it was the Ned players. Was, it was you the think players. Ned was walking around the clubhouse. No momentum here, guys. <laughs> Nobody has momentum every day. in here. Every day. Nobody believe in momentum. Coming up next. Speaking of momentum, what happens if you get some of that negative momentum going for the Cardinals on uh, tomorrow night? Do you take Wayno out of the game or do you leave him in there to be able to maneuver through it? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. the big moment and he's been in him you know the history reels speak positively about him he's drawn from it uh he knows what it looks like and he does he embraces it um i don't think he would like to have to always have to be that guy i think he'd rather be the guy that continues a positive streak um 
but he has the ability to back it up and he has a heart to, um, to go compete. And uh, he's a special guy, as we know. That audio courtesy of Mike Schilt's truck with Alex Ferrario and Tanner <laughs> Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers coming up Wait, in so about his, 10 minutes or so. truck talks? Apparently. That, that's incredible. what it sounded like right there. Mike Schilt like was talking Nader. about the qualities that make Wayno a stopper. And he was a stopper for the Cardinals this year. And I'm talking about of losing streaks, of course. I'm also curious, Alex, how that that description that you just heard from Schilt and how much he trusts Sueno in those big moments, those big spots. I wonder how that plays into the way that he utilizes his bullpen, especially early if he needs them in this game against the Dodgers. Because, and I mentioned this on Danny Mac's show, and I got in trouble because a lot of texters were very upset with me. Oh, surprise, surprise. I'm not saying that Wayno, I'm rooting for him to fail or that he's going to fail in the third inning. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm rooting for Wayno to go a complete game, no hitter. Be great. Complete game shutout, a Maddox, whatever. Something fantastic from Adam Wainwright in this game would be great. But I don't necessarily expect that. And you can't, if you're Mike Schilt, expect that going in. If he ends up going three innings and you're in... You got one out, and it's the fourth inning. You got the heart of the order coming up for the Dodgers. And he gets into a rough spot. Are you keeping him in, or are you going with somebody else that you think might be better for that specific situation? If a lefty's coming up, and I need a double play ball, I think I'm going to TJ McFarland there, because the game very well may be on the line in that moment. If a righty's coming up, and I need a double play ball, I'm going to either Luis Garcia or Dakota Hudson in that spot. So, Alex, for me, I, I want to see him be super aggressive talking about Mike Schilt in terms of the way that he utilizes his bullpen. There's like eight dudes that are going to be out there in this game that I trust to come into a game in a big spot. You got to be willing and able to use them early on if necessary. I hope he doesn't have to, but if you need to, you got to be willing to go do it. Sorry, I'm finishing 1140. BK doesn't expect Wayno to pitch a good game. Okay, cool. Um, Timo, make sure you clip that. Got it. it. Look, as soon as, and that's why I asked Terry Collins that. As soon as it looks like it's going south, I'm getting him out of there. I, I am because I have Dakota Hudson, and that's why I'm going to make sure he's available for me to come out of the bullpen in that wild card game because you can't find yourself down to Max Scherzer because I think that that's like that's he's waiting for that to happen because as soon as you go down to Max Scherzer by a run. That's when he's lights out. And I mean, I went back and looked at that wild card game because I uh, forgot what, what, what the outcome was. I mean, it was Syndergaard versus Bumgarner. And Syndergaard didn't allow a hit until the sixth inning. And you're going up against Bumgarner, who was Max Scherzer at the time in the National League. So if if I'm Mike Schilt and you know you don't want to speak negative into the atmosphere before a game like this. So yeah, my mindset is Wayno's going. But I think I'm going to have an internal conversation with Mike Maddox and Dakota Hudson of saying, look, if this looks like it's going to go south in the first inning, we're going to get him out of there. And we're going to go to you, Dakota, because we have to make sure that this stays a 0-0 baseball game or we are the first ones to score. Because if we don't, that's where we're going to be in a bad spot against this Max Scherzer team. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I I think my threshold in terms of runs, if you wanted to go by that, is like, within the first two, three innings is about two. I don't want it to get beyond two runs. Even two runs is probably a lot against Max Scherzer. 
but that's probably my threshold. Another thing that I thought was interesting from Terry Collins was he said it depends on his feel with his pitches. There's a lot of games this year where it takes Wayno a while to get the feel for whether it's the curveball, his fastball, his cutter, sinker, whichever pitch it is. That's something that I'm going to be very curious because, as we know, if you give him time, his curveball, he'll find it in a start. But if he struggles and doesn't have his curveball, I fear what may happen with the Dodgers team off on his fastball. So I'm curious to know how Mike Schultz going to approach that. I'm with you guys. I think he should be aggressive. We've talked about how you've got about six arms you trust in the bullpen. If you want to throw Jack Flaherty into that conversation, if you want to throw Dakota Hudson into that situation, I think that the limit ha- there has to be a really small margin for air for Adam Wainwright, and then otherwise you have to go get him. It's interesting you say that because Wainwright's one of the rare starting pitchers in today's game that actually gets better as the game goes on. For most pitchers, they get worse, and that's why you see a lot of teams pull them out the third time through the order. Here's Wayno. First time through the order this year, opposing hitters are batting 215 against him with an OPS below 600. That's really good. Second time through the order, things get a little more hairy. 260 batting average against him with a 740 OPS. Third time through the order, though, that's where he dominates. 180 batting average against with a 530 OPS. He's better third time through the order against most teams than he is the first time through the order. That's what his value has been. He's been an innings eater for the Cardinals this season. But what if you get that second time through the order where opposing hitters are batting 260 against him this year with a 740 OPS, which is a solid OPS against any pitcher, much much less against Adam Wainwright, and that's where he starts to get into trouble. I can't get to that third time through the order. Most of this regular season, you could afford to get there because maybe he gives up two, three earned runs, and now you're getting through seven innings because of the third time through. He's dominant. In this game, that's not good enough. They've got to be able to get through that inning unscathed almost against this Dodgers lineup, and that's a tough thing to ask for anybody, but you've got guys in your bullpen that all year long, all they've done is come through in those spots. If you've got TJ McFarland or Luis Garcia or Dakota Hudson in a big spot there and they need to get a double play ball, I trust all three of those guys to go out there and get it for you if you need, if you need it. And not only that, but some of these guys too, Mike Schultz has not been afraid to use him for, I'm not saying two innings, but an inning in a third to sure. where he kind of carries over and then you can get to that lefty matchup for McFarland or maybe it's another or Cabrera, someone like that. So I, I think that's huge. A lot of teams it's usually, all right, our guy can only go about one inning. He can't really survive, quote unquote, survive the in-between inning break. A lot of the Cardinals guys, Garcia, McFarlane, they've done that a couple times since they've been with St. Louis, and that's a big thing for the Cardinals because then you can send them out there, not be worried about having to go to another arm. So if you come in, let's say the three and a third to what Wayno gives you, you can cover the final two out to the third and carry over into the fourth, and that's a big part. It's not like the six arms that we trust can only cover six innings. The six arms we trust can probably cover a full nine-inning game if it had to be that way. I don't think I'm even worried about six arms, to be honest with you, because my hope is, and I know, and I know we're going worst case scenario here because you have to look at it that way. But I th- think I'm viewing this like you said, BK, if I get two times through the order with Aunt Wainwright, and even if I'm looking at a game like that, I think I'm still going to Dakota Hudson because then I know my bullpen isn't going to be in a bad spot. And I'm going with a guy who, at least for the few times we have seen him, seems to work quick with his opponents in terms of contact, ground balls, trusting the defense behind him, doesn't throw a lot of pitches. And then when we get into the the latter portion of the games, the seventh, eighth, ninth, more times than not in these wild card games are usually where it combusts. 
So that's why it's like I need to make sure I'm locking that down. And with this three-pitcher minimum, if I'm not mistaken, that is still in play for the wild card yeah. game, correct? It's just the playoffs where it's not in play, or is it in play in the playoffs too? It's, it's three for the no, whole thing. The extra innings is the one that's not in play for the correct, playoffs. Correct. Um, so so now that I, I don't have to worry about that three-pitcher minimum, like – I'm using everything that I can in this. Yeah, for sure. And somebody on the text line, 65780 is here, comfort service text line. And we'll get into questions and answers here in just a minute. Somebody on the text line said, there's no way that you actually trust eight guys coming out of those bullpen. I absolutely do. Um, In a game like this, if you need a lefty, Cabrera and McFarland are my two guys that I'm trusting in this particular game. If you need righties, you've got righties galore coming out of the bullpen. You mentioned Dakota Hudson. I I would love to see him coming out of the bullpen in this game, if needed. If you need length, I'm going to him. If you don't, though, okay, keep him on the shelf, and I'm going to potentially start him in the NLDS. Jack Flaherty is somebody that I think the team trusts a little more than I do, but he's going to be a guy that is available for you for an inning in this game. He's one of your best power arms. He's probably going to be used in this game, if I had to guess. Gallegos, Garcia, Reyes, Whitley, all guys that you trust from the right-hand side. That's eight pitchers that I just named that you legitimately trust in this bullpen. You can get through nine innings, even if you get three out of Adam Wainwright in this game. The problem is if you get through five and Wainwright's given up four or five earned runs because you didn't have a quick enough hook with him, that's where you get yourself in such a hole. It's very difficult to be able to dig out of that, especially with a guy like Scherzer on the mound on the other yeah, side. I'm with T-Bone, if you get down by two runs against Max Scherzer, I don't know if you're coming out of that. It's tough. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're going to talk to Eno Saris. He's a baseball writer for The Athletic. Specifically, he breaks down the pitching side of things. And I would love to get his impression of what the Cardinals are going up against with Max Scherzer. Was there anything he noticed in particular in his last two starts that went wrong for Scherzer? And does he expect that to continue against the Cardinals? Talk to Eno Saris about that in about 10 minutes or so. Questions and answers coming up next. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's VK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the air comfort service text line from the 618 for questions and answers. Guys, Max has given up five runs in each of his last two starts. Do you think now is the perfect time to go out and face him? No. <laughs> no. In fact, this might be the worst. If this is honest. the worst time to face Max Scherzer. Can we stop with that narrative of he gave up five runs to the Rockies and Padres is the same narrative of Mike Schilt after the game on Sunday saying we have experience against Scherzer this season in spring training. Doesn't matter. It, it, it's a one game elimination and a chance for a, a World Series ring again for him. And oh, by the way, if he performs well, probably going to get $50 million a year with this next contract. So yeah, he's going to be untouchable this game. Not only is this the worst time, in my opinion, because he's coming off of two bad Come starts, on, it's the playoffs. Right. And he's a f- pending free agent, as you mentioned. BK, I, I know you're trying to make good with the listeners because of the emos takes and because of the blues takes and things that like that. Up, man. That's Max. uncalled for. But like, come on, man. You can't discount it. It's Max effing Scherzer. He's got two different eyes. He's a 3.4 ERA in the postseason. That yeah, ain't that dominant. Oh, my gosh. Small sample size. He's got 33 strikeouts against the Cardinals in the two games this season and in the NLCS in 2019. It it hasn't been great for him. He's really good. Like, there's never a good time to play against Max Scherzer. There's not. What? Max Scherzer's really good? Yeah, I said it. (laughs) I'm willing to go go out on that limb. But, T-Bone, did you know that prior to 2019? Oh, God. (laughs) 
did you know that prior to this in World War Three, he had lost his previous seven straight starts in the playoffs? Oh, my God. Did you know that? Seriously. Seven straight starts he had lost in the postseason, or his team had lost when he started the game in the postseason. I didn't look that Prior up. to 2017? No, 2019 when the Nationals won every start. He that was he a part had. of really bad teams, though. The Tigers, the Nationals. Oh, yeah, just the Tigers and the Nationals. The Tigers were really good when he was there. Were they? Absolutely, the Tigers were excellent. Were they? Yeah. Were they? They got got to the World Series a couple (laughs) times. They were legitimately really good. Mm. Um, Ran to the Giants. Not their fault. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 314. Next year, would you guys rather sign Scherzer or Seager? Give me Seager. Yeah, I'd rather Seager. If you're, One, I'm not paying him $50 million, yeah. and two, he fixes my biggest hole on this roster. If you're Three. telling me I can get Seager at $30 million a year or Scherzer, let's say it's a hometown discount at $40 million a year. <laughs> That's a hometown discount. I'm, I'm going to take Seager. <laughs> Wolf plays every day, lefty bat, helps you at the position that you need the most. Yeah, I'm going Corey Seager. I'm going Corey Seager, and I'm not even sure if you're willing to give him $30 million. Talk, no. about, talk about rough free agency. Yeah, I'd give him. It's going to be yeah. tough. All right, uh, next one up here, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Two questions kind of related. First question, we'll answer this one, and then I'll give give you the second one. Who are you guys starting at shortstop? Wednesday? Sosa. Dion. You sticking with that, huh? Yeah. How are you sticking with that? He's got good numbers against Scherzer. He can run into a home run. I don't care. BK just said defense is going to win you. You said defense is going to win you this game. Look, DeYoung's only in there for like four or five innings if I can get to Scherzer. Yeah, those four or five innings might turn into three runs scored. No, I have faith in him defensively. You just squinted when you said that. You know, it's not 100% faith, but it's faith. Nonetheless. I'm going Sosa. Here's the secondary question. How would you rank the pinch hitting options in this game for the Cardinals? This one I find to be really interesting. Um, I think I'd go Rondon, DeYoung, Newt Bar, Kisner, Carpenter. I would go Rondon, and I'll just say DeYoung's on the bench for this scenario. Um, I hope I thought he was playing. You guys outvoted me. I would go Rondon. I would go Newbar. I would go DeYoung. I'd actually probably go with Carpenter and then DeYoung. And the reason I'd go Carpenter is because he can draw a walk. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. I know how that this, sounds. This man is telling us that DeYoung should play over Edmundo Sosa, but DeYoung's your fourth batter off of the bench. Yeah, he's, coming in, he's coming in. He's coming in against a bullpen arm. I'd love arm. you to spin this Strike yarn for me. Strikeout bullpen arm. Yeah, okay. But he starts against Scherzer. But he starts against Scherzer. He's four for thirteen within his career. Was two for three against him earlier in the game where he dominated the Cardinals when he was with the Nationals. DeYoung was two for three. Was that in 2019 when he was still knew how to no, hit? No, 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 no. 2021. <laughs> okay. When he still knew how to hit. He didn't know how to hit back then either. Um, Carpenter can get the walk, but he can't run the bases for you. So I'm gonna go lefty versus righty because I I mean if you've got a righty on the mound I, I know this sounds crazy but I think the the first option that I'm going to is Newt Bar unless you need a walk in that spot in which case you go with Carpenter if you need a hit like it, it <laughs> what have you ever went you know what I need here we need a walk 
Well, you need to get the inning <laughs> we, need here. we need a hit by pitch. I should be more clear here. If you're starting off a clean inning, I think you go to Carpenter in that That's spot. Fair. That's if you've fair. got runners on and one or two outs, I'm going to Newt Bar in that spot. That That's kind of the way that I would differentiate it between the two lefties. Right-handed hitting is a lot easier. I'm going Rondone one, DeYoung two, Kisner three. That would be my way that I would situate those. And I'm obviously starting Sosa because I'm not a crazy person uh, at shortstop in this game. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so. We'll have them hit fifth off the bench. It's time for today's Ferrario 5 coming up at 1215. The five fringe blues players that are playing for a spot on opening night. We'll do that at 1215. Coming up next, though, Eno Saris, baseball writer for The Athletic. There are very few that I think are more insightful when it comes to pitching than Eno Saris. What's he think about the Cardinals' chances of being able to get to Max Scherzer? What did he see from him in his last two starts in particular? We'll talk to Eno about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We'll get to Alex's latest Ferrario 5 coming up in the next segment. The five fringe blues players that are playing for an opening night roster spot. But right now, I think there are very few people that write as intelligently about pitching and baseball as Eno Saris does over at The Athletic. He joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Eno, always appreciate the time that you're able to give us. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. The chaos is about to begin. <laughs> yeah, you ain't lying. The wild card round is officially upon us. Let's let's start out with tonight's game. I, I want to ask you, of course, about the Cardinals versus Dodgers matchup as well. Uh, what intrigues you in particular about the pitching matchup tonight between the Yankees and the Red Sox? I have a stat called uh, Pitching Plus that just looks at the location of the pitches and the shape and the movement and the velocity of the pitches. Um, and I ran that for September, and Garrett Cole ended up the number one starter, which surprised and maybe frustrated some Yankees fans because they have been looking at some of his uh, mediocre results in the month. Uh, but uh, if you ask me, he's still a top three pitcher in the game. So to have him going today um, is is going to, uh, I think, give them a boost. And then I have the Yankees bullpen as much better than the Red Sox bullpen. And though the Red Sox lineup is was slightly better than the Yankees won in the postseason, they did lose J.D. Martinez today. So I'm picking the Yankees uh, to win that game. And then when we get to the Cardinals and Dodgers wildcard game, you know, and uh, we've we talked about this earlier in the show, we've seen a lot of people, whether it be on the national stage or uh, baseball writers, saying that it's it's pretty clear-cut the Dodgers in this one-game wild card. Is it as clear-cut to you in a one-game with Scherzer versus Wainwright? Um, <laughs> I have to say this. Like, I am a numbers guy, and from a numbers standpoint, the Dodgers are well-favored to win this game. Um, there, there are some things that I can say in St. Louis's favor, but I'll just say I, I understand where they're coming from. Uh, the Dodgers have a really good, really deep team. It's not obvious what their weaknesses are. Um, and even losing Max Muncy and Clayton Kershaw, they're built to withstand that sort of loss. Um, and they should be, uh, quote unquote favorites in this game. So, you know, you did mention that you could tell us a little bit about the positives, though, and you're on in St. Louis, so you know we got to ask no, about that. No, keep it, keep it. <laughs> what are the positives that are going in the Cardinals' direction, in your opinion, heading into this one? 
I think a big uh, a big sort of reason that the that the Cardinals did so well in September, um, and it's a it's a real advantage I think that they have over the Dodgers is their bullpen. I think you know getting Luis Garcia at the end there uh, and and just sort of solidifying the order in the bullpen um, and having a all hands on deck approach uh, where they can use a, even a starter if they need to. I think that they have the superior bullpen and even uh, something like uh, Fangraph's pitching war uh, says that the Cardinals had a better bullpen in, in September than the Dodgers. So uh, that's one thing. Another thing is that um, defense is slightly more important in the postseason. I don't believe that pitching and defense necessarily wins. I think that hitting is, is super important, and I haven't found any statistical evidence that says that pitching and defense works. Um, better than anything else. But I have found that defense becomes a little bit slightly more important in the postseason, and the Cardinals have the best defense in baseball. Um, I think that goes by the eye test, and it also goes by uh, StatCast has a stat called outs above average, and the Cardinals are number one there, far and away better than the Dodgers, who um, ended up 18th or so uh, on the season. So if anybody is going to make one of those defensive miscues that extends an inning and uh, gives, uh, you know, the batters a chance, another chance to, to score a run. I think it's the Dodgers that'll mess that up and the Cardinals can really pick it. So can pick it, have a good bullpen. That's a good place to start. So, so I know this sounds like a crazy question because it is Max Scherzer, but is there a way to get to Max Scherzer early? And is that the key Enos for the Cardinals if they want to win this game? <laughs> yes, because <laughs> uh, Max Max is going to be a tough one. If he can get, if he can go seven or eight, then a lot of the stuff that I'm saying about the Dodgers bullpen kind of goes out the window because Blake Trinan is just an amazing, uh, you know, reliever. If you get four outs from him and and two outs from from Kenley or whatever it is, um, you kind of paper over some of those um, problems they may have in the bullpen. So yes. Uh, scoring early and forcing him out of the game in the fifth or sixth uh, will be will be huge and will be a major obstacle because he's just a great pitcher with lots of different pitches. I've uh, been incorporating the curve more this year, so now you have another thing to think about. That's three breaking balls you got to worry about, plus the changeup, plus uh, mid nineties fastball. So, um, you know, on the other end, uh, Wainwright has gone really far and done really well, basically based on an elite curveball, one of the maybe three best in the game, and just being able to command his other pitches and mix it up around that curveball. Um, so I think they'll play it close, uh, but it's really all about innings one through four, I think. Eno Saris is our guest here on 101 ESP, and you can find his work over on The Athletic where he does a great job breaking down, specifically pitching, but baseball as a whole. You can follow him on Twitter at his name, Eno Saris, S-A-R-R-I-S. You know, what have you seen in his last couple of starts, speaking of Max Scherzer? Because, it, I mean, the results are, are not what you typically expect out of him. Gave up 11 hits and five earned runs against the Padres and six hits, five earned runs against Colorado. I know that's in Colorado. That makes it a little different, but... Has there been any theme to what's led to those struggles in his last two starts that you've picked up on? There's a little bit of uh, dropping off in stuff. Like I said, I have this pitching plus thing that looks at velocity and, and movement, and, and his stuff has dropped off a little. However, Colorado is such an amazing place 
it actually changes the shape of your pitches. <laughs> like the, the altitude changes, like breaking balls don't bite, fastballs don't ride. Um, and so I kind of throw that out when I look at a pitcher and say, well, you know, Colorado is just its own thing. And uh, if you do that, the, the, the trend is not as clear. I will say that Max has uh, been throwing pretty hard uh, this year and has also had some back injuries. And um, at his age, I wouldn't be surprised if fatigue was a factor. Uh, but in the postseason, every pitcher gets that adrenaline boost, and it, it shows in a velocity boost. Uh, you know, the average velocity bump is about a mile per hour. So if you're talking about Max Scherzer on adrenaline, <laughs> I mean, you've seen him. You've seen him in a regular season game with a broken nose, you know, spitting fire and, and, uh, and doing well. You know, in the postseason, he's another. He he has another level. Uh, so it's going to be it's an obstacle. He, he is quite the pitcher. You know, I'm going to put you in the shoes of Mike Schilt here because this is something we've talked a lot about in the decision of how to use and if you use them on this wild card roster of Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. Yeah, um, I mean, it's you got to win this game. You know. So I think that you're watching Rainwright, and when he's when he's cruising, he's cruising, and you can you can you can push him for five, six, seven innings, and it's because he's locating all his pitches. But if he's struggling, uh, it doesn't matter that you then have to figure out who's going to start game one of the like. If you lose, <laughs> there is no game one of the DS. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I would use uh, Flaherty and Hudson. Uh, as soon as I saw Wainwright faltering, I think you've got to get to that bullpen somehow. And I think it's a little early to start bringing out the Gallegos uh, uh, Garcia crew. Uh, if you're talking about the second or third inning. Final question that I've got for Eno Saris of The Athletic. He's joining us here on BK and Ferrario. Eno, I, I looked up some of the numbers because I've seen a lot of the breakdowns of the Cardinals' offense versus the Dodgers' offense. And, of course, I'm not trying to suggest that the Dodgers don't have a good offense. Of course they do, and they are a handful to deal with. But if you go back to August 1st, so since the Cardinals became this version of themselves, and I'm not talking like started winning, but the personnel was a little different, they're first among all of the National League playoff teams and OPS plus and regular OPS. Um, if you're looking at slugging percentage, they're first in that. Basically, every offensive statistic, they're number one among the National League playoff teams in the last two plus months. How much of that do you look into going into a playoff series? Is that what you look into or is it the full season numbers that you care more about? It does matter that you know, some guys are called up, some guys are added, some guys are traded in. You're right that the, that the personnel matters. Um, and uh, so you do kind of want to look at those players uh, that are actually playing in the game. I, I, I don't know what it means um, when you're talking about um, a player like Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carlson, um, who were much better in the second half and kind of caught fire, it's a, it's such a young player that you could say, well, this is now his true talent. This is who he is. Vader is an above average player. Tyler O'Neill is a star. Dylan Carlson is, is somewhere in between those two. And, and that's who they are because they're young players. We don't have that, all that track record. We'd say, this is what their career numbers are. They're just hot, quote unquote, hot. Right. And uh, I, I will say that I think that to some extent, Paul Goldschmidt got hot, you know, 
And so, you know, I don't know that he that you would say that he was going to have like a 600 slugging in the in the playoffs like he did in the second half. Um, that's that's usually above and beyond what we've seen out of him. But it is really hard to say what O'Neill, Bader, and Carlson are going to do because they're such young players. You don't have the track record. Maybe this is who they are. And if this is who they are, that lineup is a lot deeper than people say. You're correct. You know, we appreciate the time as always, man. Really looking forward to watching these games over the next couple of days and watching the postseason as a whole. And we'll be reading all of your breakdowns over on The Athletic. Thanks for the time today, and we'll talk with you again soon. All right, thanks for having me. Absolutely. That's Eno Saris joining us here on 101 ESPN. Again, you could find his work. You should subscribe to The Athletic to read his work. You can also follow him on Twitter at Eno Saris, S-A-R-R-I-S. Did it make you feel any better that Eno said, yeah, there has been a little bit of a downgrade in the stuff for Max Scherzer in his most recent two starts? No, because the only thing I'm thinking of right now is him saying Max Scherzer's been working on other pitches, and he said that he's been working on a curveball, and I told Tanner in his ear in the middle of that interview, I said, Scherzer might hit the Cardinals with his old uncle, Charlie. That makes me very... It actually concerns me more than what I was, because if Max Scherzer has more off-speed and movement pitches... I mean, he, he's notoriously a guy who goes to his fastball, and I don't know if he's going to be that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. Like, <laughs> Whether it's with it. breaking balls or the fastball that's going in at 90, like whatever it is, he's really good, and it's going to be incredibly difficult to get hits against him. I mean, we did the breakdown earlier today with Adam Wainwright, and when he is good, right, he's really good in the first time through the order. He's excellent the third time through the order. He's just marginally okay. In the, the the second time through the order, Max Scherzer, I went through and looked at his breakdown in terms of the splits first, second and third time through the order. He's the same guy like all three times opposing hitters are batting like 150 against him the first time through the order. Second time through the order, it's like 195 and the third time through it's 159. I mean, it's he's unbelievable, regardless of how he goes about it, who he's going up against. He's one of the best pitchers, if not the best pitcher in the sport. So. It's going to be tough, and there's no doubt about that. If there's any, if there's any slippage in the stuff, that is a big time boost for this Cardinals offense. I also thought what he said there at the end is really interesting and kind of important for this postseason series. He is right in that we just don't know how guys like Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson and Harrison Bader and Edmundo Sosa, we don't know how they'll respond to a postseason environment. Yeah, we saw it a little bit last year, but that entire thing was just different. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the crowd. It's not a one-game scenario. All of that is just different than what we're about to watch tomorrow night in L.A. I do think that those are the types of guys that could potentially thrive in an environment like this. Like Dylan Carlson, you think about what he's done the last month or so for this Cardinals team? He's been outstanding. Tyler O'Neill, think about some of his biggest moments this year. A lot of it happened in front of some of the biggest crowds of the year. I think specifically about the 2011 reunion tour weekend. That was one of the best and biggest crowds all year long. And Tyler O'Neill had one of his best, uh, best games, best series all season long. So I think those guys could actually really step up in a big way, but whether they do or not is going to go a long way in determining whether or not the Cardinals are able to advance in this one. Yeah. 
With Alex Ferrari on Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, Big City, Matt Adams going to join the show. Former Cardinals first baseman, he's going to join us to talk about what it's like to play postseason games for the Cardinals. And I just want to ask him about his career in the postseason here in St. Louis as well. He's had a couple of decent moments that you probably remember. So we'll talk to Matt Adams in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, it's time for Ferrario 5. The five fringe blues players that are playing for a spot on opening night, including a guy that could see time on the top line on opening night. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This is exactly where you want to be listening to us. It's BK and Ferrario live from the Car Shield studio on 101 ESPN. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Tanner Hendrickson and I'm Brandon Kylie. Matt Adams is joining the show coming up here in about 10 minutes or so. But Alex, it's almost blue season. You're Damn right it is, BK. Couple of games the next couple of days. Blues versus Stars tonight. You'll have pregame coverage with Alex Ferrario beginning at 6 o'clock. And then tomorrow, Blues take on the Wild pregame for that one also at 6 o'clock. You can hear it all right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. We're talking a lot of Cardinals today between 11 and 2. But, Alex, I think it is time for a Ferrario Man, we haven't done these in such a couple days. I don't even know how to do this anymore. Like, how do I start these? T-Bone hit the open. You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario 5, a top five list of very random things. So, Ferrario, give us your top five. All right, I'm going to surprise some people with this list here. So, so here's how I did this. I looked at the forwards and the defensemen. And we've talked about it. You're going to carry 26 guys. You'll have 14 forwards. Doug Armstrong has kind of talked about that. Of course, you got two goaltenders, which is going to leave quick math here. Ten more players? That's not right. wasn't very quick That's not math. I figured this out. 14 forwards, but we do know that they'll probably carry seven defensemen, and then you got two goaltenders. So with that being said, I have guys that are in a tier of their own right now in terms of already on this roster. Okay. And we know who the majority of the guys are. You're saying O'Reilly's already made it? O'Reilly's already made it. <laughs> He's guys, guaranteed a spot. Surprise, surprise. Jordan Cairo's guaranteed a spot. Huh. I'm, I'm taking into consideration here that guys like Ivan Barbashev are already on that roster. I don't know what, what's going to happen with Oscar Sundquist. Yeah, I'll go ahead and throw these guys out there. O'Reilly, Perron, Kairou, Shin, Buchnevich, Saad, Thomas, Tarasenko, um, Barbashev, Bozak. Barbashev, Bozak. Those so, 10 are going to make the Blues in 2021. And then Spoiler alert. Sunquist might start on the injured list. We're not sure with that. So that leaves four spots open for a roster spot. And then you know who your sixth defensemen are, the seventh guy. I think going into the start of the season, Kyle Clifford, Mackenzie McEachern, Jake Wallman, those three guys are viewed as you have the spot. So I'm not considering them in this top five. What I'm doing here is I'm going for the guys that are beating them out for their spots. Does that make sense? Yeah. So number five on this list is Dakota Joshua. And I know a lot of people are going to say, why is he so low on this list? Because he's a two-way forward. Because you can send him down to the minors and not have to worry about waivers with him. Now, I think he's fighting for a spot still. I think he could make Mackenzie McEachern slash Kyle Clifford expendable if he continues to play this way. And don't, don't take this for granted. He is playing on the fourth line in tonight's game against the Dallas Stars with two other guys that are on my list. So Dakota Joshua still has a shot, but he's lower on the totem pole of this because number four is Logan Brown. 
Logan Brown is waiver eligible, but Logan Brown has been playing a lot of penalty kill time. And if I'm not mistaken, he was on one of the penalty kill units for tonight's game. Yeah, he's with Clem Costin on a penalty kill unit. So Logan Brown, six foot six. I do think that Craig Berube has talked about how he's been noticeable. They like the way he plays physical and how he can create offense with his size. So I have him at number four. Number three is Clem Costin. And I was a little concerned after that game against Chicago where he left and didn't return. And I was thinking, oh, man, that's going to hurt his chances. But the fact that he was skating yesterday and he's playing tonight, there's a reason that he, Dakota Joshua and Logan Brown are playing in this one tonight, because I do think that Craig Berube and Doug Armstrong are saying we need to see another game from these guys because those guys played against the Blackhawks and you saw pretty high effort from those guys. So Clint Costin's number three, number two, Scott Perunovic. Guys, I think Scott Perunovich has already beaten Jake Wallman out for this wow. roster. They had him on a power play unit today with Pavel Buchnevich, Jordan Cairo, Brandon Saad, and Robert Thomas. Tori Krug was on that other one, which means Pareko and Justin Falk were not on a power play unit for tonight's game. Scott Perunovich was. Wow. Jake Wallman is not in this lineup, which he'll probably play tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild, but it says a lot to me that Scott Perunovich is getting this game and he's getting power play time because Wallman's not getting power play time because Krug, Falk, I think, would get it over Jake Wallman. But if Scott Perunovich performs on the power play, which he's got a couple of assists already this season, I think he's beaten Jake Wallman. I think Jake Wallman has to show in these final two games for them to say, okay, well, Jake Wallman's back at the top of this list. And number one on this list, this is going to surprise a lot of people. I don't have Jake Neighbors on this list. Because I think Jake Neighbors has a spot. I assumed that you had him on the list. No, I think he's got a spot already. I, I think because he has a nine-game trial before they can decide to send him back to juniors, he's already on this roster. That's why he's playing on a top line tonight with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. Whoa. I know. They, they like Jake Neighbors. So he's not a fringe player, in my opinion. He's on this roster. His tryout's going to come in the first nine games of the regular season. James Neal's number one on this list. Because I think James Neal has made it very clear that Mackenzie McEachern and possibly Kyle Clifford's expendable. Uh, now, not so much on Clifford because Clifford. I think Joshua's Clifford. If they keep Joshua Clifford. That's a good that's, point. That's, that's a really good point. One. That's a really good point. Hey. Hockey guy over here, BK. Happens every once in a while. Let's not give him big head but, now. Uh, uh, Mackenzie McEachern was in that game against the Chicago Blackhawks, and Curbs talked about this with me and JR and Mark Saxon yesterday on the morning show. Like, there was no life on that Blues game in Independence, Missouri on Saturday. And James Neal was the one trying to spark life. He was being physical in front of the net, trying to create offense, throwing guys around when he needed to. Craig Berube loves that. He has spoken numerous times in postgame this season or preseason about how James Neal was noticeable on the ice. Now, I know he hasn't scored since he had that hat trick. I don't think it matters. I think he is a fringe player that you can pay a million dollars or less to play on this team. And I think he's going to be an asset for them. So I really think James Neal's number one on this list because I think he has made Mackenzie McEachern expendable for the season. That's interesting. So James Neal versus Mackenzie McEachern, something to watch. Perunovic versus all of those other depth defenders is one worth watching. Who do you think Costin, like, in terms of the battle for his roster spot, who is he battling with for that spot? Is it Logan Brown? 
I, I think it, one of those two is probably going to remain on the team. I think it's Logan Brown, but I also think it could be Mackenzie McEachern as well. I think All they make McEachern expendable. Here's the thing: Costin's two-way eligible too. Yeah, Costin go down to the AHL, and I, I don't. Costin's not cracking this top nine because Jake Neighbors is playing there. When Jake Neighbors isn't playing there, Ivan Barbashev is going to play there. Oscar Sundquist is going to play there. Heck, James Neal might play or there Bozak. or Tyler Bozak. You got a lot of guys. Costin's not cracking the top three, so he's fighting for a fourth-line spot. Which is no coincidence that tonight you have Joshua Brown Costin on the fourth line. And then tomorrow, I would imagine you're going to see Mackenzie McEachern, Michael Froelich, and possibly Barbashev or Kyle Clifford on that fourth line to say, here's your competition. You got back-to-backs. Who's going to spark most yep. energy in this game? So I think Costin's fighting for a fourth line spot. But again, Craig Bruby said today they got tough decisions to make. Costin might be one of those to where it's like, you should be here, but you're an AHL guy. You can hear all of the action the next couple of nights as these roster decisions start to be made. Blues versus Stars tonight with pregame beginning at 6 o'clock right here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. Blues versus Wild. Same place, same time tomorrow night here on your home for the Blues. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. The Junk Drawer coming up in about 15 minutes or so, but coming up next, Big City. Matt Adams joins the show here on 101 ESPN. They are St. Louis. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks and I'm Brandon Kylie will dive into the junk drawer here in about 10 minutes or so but right now we are very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by Matt Adams the former Cardinals first baseman 2019 World Series ch- champion Matt we appreciate the time man how you doing today I'm doing well how about yourself doing really well so I gotta ask you let's start out with that clip that you heard coming back is that the <laughs> highlight that you hear the most from your time here in St. Louis yeah, I think, uh, I mean, honestly, I think that's the one that kind of put me on the map uh, a little bit. I've, I was joking with my wife uh, yesterday. It was, I was like, I'm, my social media is about ready to get blown up because everybody, it's, you know, the Cardinals are back in the playoffs and they're facing the Dodgers and everybody loves to just, you know, talk about that. And I mean, I'm I'm happy and proud that, that I was able to give, you know, the Cardinal fans that moment and, um for them to to remember that and and want to keep talking about it. Yeah, I'm sure your social media, Matt, is probably like Justin Timberlake's social media account when it becomes May 1st, right? Like the it's going to be May. That's Matt Adams' social media. Yeah, I don't don't know if I would go quite that. (laughs) You're the St. Louis Justin Timberlake is what I was going for there, Matt. You know, the part that gets me about that home run, too, I mean, as great as the home run was, what I loved more was the reaction to it because you looked directly at your dugout and I mean you had such a huge celebration and it was still game to go but it's like man it felt like the game was over with that swing yeah I uh you know I made contact with the with the ball and it it felt good off the bat but it had like a low uh, trajectory so I like at first I was like oh that's that's gone no doubt then I saw Kemp you know, he had a beat on it going back to the wall pretty fast. And I was like, oh, oh man, I probably should, should maybe run a little bit faster because that may not get out. And then uh, saw go over the wall and turned to the dugout and just wanted to celebrate with my teammates. And, and like you said, there was there were still two innings to go. So 
rounded the bases and and I felt like I you know my feet weren't touching the ground the whole way around the bases and got into the dugout gave the curtain call and and all that and then I I honestly went down into the cage underneath and you know had to you know I laid down on the turf and and took a lot of deep breaths to kind of calm myself down to to be able to go out there and, and play defense for two more innings. Matt Adams is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Hey, Matt, we, we want to ask you about the playoffs and what this series is going to be like for the Cardinals. But I, I also wanted to ask you specifically about where you're at right now. My understanding is you're, you're still here in St. Louis. You're, you're living here now. What, what went into the decision of making St. Louis your home? Yeah, I, uh, I've lived here um, going on six years now. I stayed after the 16th season and... Um, just I fell in love with the city and, and the atmosphere that, um, you know, this is a sports sports town. You know, you got hockey, um, Blues, the Cardinals, um, had the Rams, and um, just it's – this is a city that I wanted to be part of. Just playing here for the few years that, that I did whenever I came up, young younger player, and I just I, – like I said, I fell in love with it and – uh, ended up meeting my wife here who helped me, you know, transform my body in that 16 off season and just really, really had a strong connection to the city of St. Louis and in the fan base that um, supports the Cardinals. And, and I wanted to be a part of that for, for a while. What is it like then for you to be on the outside looking in right now as you're watching what the Cardinals have done, especially in the month of September with the 17 straight? I've got to imagine you've still got some strong relationships with some of the guys that are out there playing right now. What's what's this been like for you to be able to watch? Uh, it's it's been tremendous. I mean the the run that they, I mean the 17 game win streak that they they went on. It's just you know that's that's Cardinal baseball, you know, not giving up to the last outs recorded going out there and just having fun, but also knowing that every time, you know, you put that uniform on, you step on the field, you expect to kick the opponent's butt and, and you, you go out there and you fight tooth and nail to get that W. And that's, that's what, you know, I saw from, from the outside looking in, in the month of September. And it's, it's really, really cool to you know see some of my former teammates still playing on that team guys that i played against like um nolan and goldie coming over it's it's so great for for the two of them to get back to postseason baseball and, and to do it in a cardinal uniform i think is huge so matt you've been in this position before with the cardinals back in 2012 and it was a team that that got the wild card spot that was going into a matchup against the atlanta braves where if i if i remember correctly everyone was favoring the atlanta braves in that series from a player's perspective when you go into a wild card game and everyone's looking at the opponent for the cardinals like oh well they're going to win this one easily does that give the the group of guys in the clubhouse a little bit extra push going into that? Yeah, I think you you know you gotta the, the wild card game is just you know it's it's crazy and <laughs> you know anything can happen like like look at look at what we did in nineteen with you know the right fielder misplaying the ball and three runs scored and we ended up winning that game we were down and Hater was in the game and um. You know anything can happen, so you got to take that mindset of you know you got to go out there and control what you guys can control, and but go out there and leave everything on that field because you never know what's going to happen. So I think uh, I think the run and and how hot the team is right now, I think it's it's really good going into this you know one game playoff that you know they got they got Wayne on the mound, 
Yachty back behind the plate controlling the game. I, I think they're in a good spot, but they, they just have to go out there and, you know, kind of set their emotion aside and just go out there and control what they can control. Uh, Matt, I'm glad you brought up 2019 because you were a part of, it's not a similar situation for the Cardinals because you played the Dodgers in a five-game series with the Nationals, but you did go into a series where, again, it's a team that has 106 wins, <laughs> the Dodgers in 2019. Everyone's looking at it as the juggernaut. But a Nationals team that wins the wild card game then goes into the DS and wins that. Is that where the momentum comes from? It, it, does it come from winning that wild card game and then feeling like you're untouchable? Yeah, I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I think it's just getting hot at the right time, building that momentum and and not losing not losing that confidence that you know we can beat whoever we go up against, and that's. We knew once we won the wild card game that we had to face the Dodgers, and, and you know, on paper they were a way better team than we were. But we knew that we could go out there and compete. We had a great pitching staff. Um, you know, our pitchers were throwing the ball well. Our bullpen was doing great. Our offense—it seemed like everything was just clicking on all cylinders. And, and, and to me, that's what the Cardinals are doing right now. So I, I think, I think you just got to you know carry that momentum and hold on to that confidence that you know we're unbeatable. We step out on this field, we're going to take care of business. We're talking to Matt Adams, former Cardinals first baseman, 2019 World Series champion here on 101 ESPN. Matt, you've played with and against Max Scherzer, as you just mentioned. He's one of the best pitchers of this generation, certainly, if not the Cy Young Award winner this year, one of the top two candidates for it. What's the approach going up against a guy like that who you know he's going to throw the ball well, but as you're going up there as a hitter, what's the approach like against a guy like Scherzer? Uh, you just got to go up there and battle. You know, he's got, I mean, for the most part, every time he steps out on the mound, he's got all of his pitches working. So you just got to go in there and you got to battle. And and the longer the bats um Doe, I, I feel like you can you can get in his head a little bit. He does not like when you know guys um, put together you know foul off pitches, foul off tough pitches, and you know keep the bat going. And um, I think you just got to go up there and be aggressive. And um, he's he's a strike throw. He, he doesn't throw many balls. And you know go up there. Everything's hard. Be looking for something out over the plate and, and be aggressive and get that barrel to it. Matt, do you know when you're in a pitcher's head as a hitter? Because like, it feels like from Cardinals fans' perspective, the Cardinals were always in Clayton Kershaw's head when he faced them against the playoffs. Like From a batter's perspective, do you know when you're in that guy's head? Certain guys, yes, but I, I think... Um... I think with Mad Max, you, uh, <laughs> he does a he does a really good job of uh, not showing. I mean, not showing too much emotion out there, one way or another. I mean, he's he's got his plan and he's got his focus, and and that's all. He's got that tunnel vision, and and nothing really seems to to get to him. But I mean, you you know that if you put together along a bat, it it frustrates him because all he wants to do is he wants to strike strike you out, and you know, the longer that you can go, foul off tough pitches. I mean, you, anybody, um, doesn't matter who's standing out on the mound, anybody that strings together at bats like that where they foul out, you know, pitcher makes a tough, you know, slider down and away and they foul it off and, you know, get another pitch to handle. I mean, that frustrates a pitcher no matter who it is out there. 
Matt, what is it about guys who step up in the postseason? Are, are there qualities? I mean, you saw a few of them in your run in 2019. You certainly saw your fair share here in St. Louis in your time. What are some of the qualities that go into being a big-time playoff performer, especially at the plate? I I, I think you've got to, um, you know, playoff baseball, It's everything's heightened. Everything matters, and, um, you know, there's an extra – um, I don't know if people want to call it pressure or stress to perform, but the guys that can, you know, eliminate that, eliminate the noise and the distractions and go out there and stick to their plan, stick to what they're trying to do each at bat, both offensively and stick to their plan defensively. I think those are the guys that you see succeeding in the playoffs. And I mean, my like perfect example for me was Howie Kendrick. That guy was, he was so level-headed. Nothing seemed to get to that guy, and he had his plan, and he wanted to execute his plan every time he stepped into that box. And you saw that in the Dodger series, and you saw it again with um, the Astros in that tough at bat off Will Harris when he hit the the go-ahead homer, or the, the tie, I, I don't know if it was a tying homer or go-ahead homer. Uh, that hit off the foul pole, but guys that are able to eliminate the distractions and stick to what they know they want to do and stick to their game plan. Those are the guys that seem to succeed in the playoffs. Who are some of the guys on this Cardinals team that you think could fit that criteria? Well, I think the, the battery mates in, in Wayno and Yachty, I think those are two great examples. I mean, they, they're just, they're not human when they when they step out on the on the ball field. It just seems that they're you know, Wayno's setting hitters up you know four pitches in advance. Yachty knows. It seems like Yachty knows what the pitcher's going to throw him, and uh, it just they take the emotion out of it, and and they eliminate the distractions. And the two of them are just such great leaders for for that team, and they they have been for so many years that. Uh, you know, this team is I, – I feel like this team can do something special with, with those two guys. And, and then you throw in, you know, Arenado and, and Goldschmidt who have, you know, postseason experience. Uh, you know, Matt Carpenter. I, I just think the group of guys that this Cardinals team has, I think it, it, it's, it goes a long way with, with experience and, and how to show these younger guys that haven't – necessarily played in playoffs before how to you know how to go about that how to combat the the distractions the noise and the the added pressure to just go out there and just treat it like you know a a normal regular season game Matt final one from me you were a part of that that wave of youth that Memphis mafia that everyone in St. Louis loves to talk about and the 2012 the 2013 run that you were a part of with the Cardinals how important is it to have that uh, that wave of youth and just kind of the spark plug mentality in that clubhouse and playing in the game kind of like what the Cardinals have right now yeah it's huge I I I think uh, you know the younger players they bring you know a certain type of energy that um it's hard to describe, but they, they bring a certain type of energy that, that everybody else can feed off of. And that energy is so important. It, it builds your confidence along with, you know, just knowing that, you know, we got this. And, and I think when, when veteran players see younger players, you know, carry themselves in a way 
not not arrogance, but and, and not cockiness, but believe in, in in their game and what they have and what they're what they can bring to the table. I think it it speaks wonders. Matt, final question. We'll get you out of here on this one. And thank you so much for being generous with your time today. Are we going to watch Matt Adams in a uniform again next year? What What are your plans as of now for what the future holds for Matt Adams? Yeah, you bet. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I don't know what uniform it's going to be, but uh, I, I feel like I got a lot left in the tank, and and that's the way I'm treating this off season. I'm, you know, I got my workouts going. I'm I'm staying on top of the baseball stuff, and and you know, I I definitely believe that that I can. You know, I still got value to to a team so um you know my dream is to continue to put on a major league baseball uniform and and go out there and play the game that i love to play and and know that i still got a lot left in the tank so yeah i would i would say that um you would see uh you know an adams jersey running around the field next year for sure well matt i'm hoping it's in st louis because i do believe there's a dh coming next year so i love that uh that would that wouldn't be too bad you know with this being home and and just the the way that the you know such a storied franchise and the fan base i would love to put birds on the bat back on and and go out there and play in front of the you know the crowd hey anytime i can get some more big city moments man i'm all oh, for yeah. that heck yeah maybe a little little big hop down the first baseline that's what i'm talking about he's matt adams former cardinals first baseman maybe future cardinals ah, DH. Yeah, maybe. We'll you see never about know. that never 2019 know. world series champion matt thanks so much for hopping on with us today man i'll always appreciate hearing you and happy to hear everything's going well for you absolutely thanks guys thanks, matt. that's matt adams joining us here on 101 espn one of the best guys uh that's put on a cardinals uniform in recent years maybe we'll see him again at some point in the future left-handed bat certainly couldn't hurt you know they they, they could use a guy like matt adams coming off of the bench um i know one thing that you heard from john Mozalock earlier this year he said hey a lot of guys don't like taking those types of um, opportunities. They, they want to go out. They want to start for somebody. Matt Adams is the type of guy that I bet you if you got him into the right situation, he'd, he'd be willing to accept that kind of a role. And he'd, 100%. he would make a lot of sense for this team. All right. Coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we're talking to Mike, Mike Farron, host on MLB Network Radio. Have him break down how he views this matchup against the Dodgers. But coming up next... Alex has a complaint that he would like to file in the Uh-oh. junk drawer on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio joins us in about 10 minutes or so, about five minutes or so. There's going to be a quick junk drawer today. My oh, apologies. Oh, my God. i got to go fast here. quickly. Well, let's dive into the junk drawer. Alex, what do you have for us today? I just got to do a, a quick complaint. Um, okay. I won't name the company. I will just say it's a big grocery store. How's that? That's well, pretty good. That's, <laughs> Thanks uh, for nailing not, it. Not a local grocery store. No. <laughs> we should be clear yes, there. This is a, this is a mass... How would you put? Pre- how would this you? This is say- a schnooks. Uh, no, not schnooks. No, no, no. What you're talking about is not schnooks. This is a schnooks show. We like schnooks here on this show, so yes. it's not about them. No, I want to make one that of the, very it's clear. It's one of the global ones, the <laughs> yeah, big yeah. bulk grocery stores. We'll yeah. say like that, so we all know it's not schnooks. Anyway, big bulk. I would have <laughs> just said store, but and, and it's fine. It's cool. it, well, yeah. but it's not. It was because we were going grocery shopping, and it was frustrating. Okay. And it was. I told my wife, it is hell on earth going to this place because for some reason, when you walk into this store, all 
all they should make you take your headphones off well no i kept those on don't worry all humanity like rules just don't apply when you walk into this building nobody knows how to walk on the right side of the the, the path you know to like walk down the aisles nobody knows how to walk on that side they decide to walk in the middle and then on top of it everyone will just stop i don't understand what the fascination is when you go into a store like that and you're shopping why you have to stop in the middle of the walkway and look around like, are you two? That the, is annoying. Like, how, how hard is it to, you know, like, if you're going to send a text, you got to pull off to the side of the road. How hard is it to just shift your cart off to the side of the path so that people can, you know, politely walk past you? Alex, this is one of those moments where it feels like a pretty simple fix. No, it's not a simple fix because they got to go to the store. I, I'm talking about for you. True. You take your headphones off for a moment and say, excuse me. And you're, you're good to go. And you're good to go. That's not because you don't say any of that because they're not going to get out of your way because they're doing their own thing. And then the other thing, I mean, it is like freaking like it's go karts out there with their carts. <laughs> like someone will run into you if you are in their way. They don't care. Maybe, then, why, maybe that's what you should take why into. Why do I feel like Ferrari is a guy that sees it in the middle, knows he has to get by, so what does he do? He just rams his cart into the back of it 100%. and pushes it with him until he gets to a spot. Why? Why, why did I? turn into the bad guy here. I'm the one that follows humanity. Because it's a simple walk, solution. No, if I'm going one way, because I walk on the right. If I go on the other way, I walk in the left. I don't walk in the middle of the pathway and then stop and say, oh, where's the bread at? Oh, I don't know. How about we walk up and down the aisle and find the bread rather than stop in the middle of the closed section Look, and go, where are we at? The text line's not even trying to solve your issue. They're too busy trying to figure out the store. And they've said four. They've said four different stores. I will say, one of the stores that has been mentioned on the text line is correct. Ding, ding, ding. I ain't telling you which one it is. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to more of it. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Fair in here, host of MLB Network Radio with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kyle. I think Tanner forgot to text him. So way to go, T-Bone. What a great sound about right. Uh, thought we were going to have him. Hopefully we will coming up here momentarily. Alex, we have a lot of texters that are wondering why you're shopping at certain places and all of them think you're shopping at a different place. So I yeah. appreciate that about well, our text. Line like I can tell you, I can tell you it's not Walmart. So you can stop <laughs> texting those in because the, their grocery aisle is literally a, a little area, and I would never go into that area. Okay, well, <laughs> all right. Coming up in about 10 minutes or so, let's play a game Why? of bet it or forget it. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. Uh, you give us a scenario. We'll tell, we'll tell you if we're betting it or forgetting it. I want to ask Alex about his thoughts on the Chargers after their impressive win last night against the Las Vegas Why? Raiders. I'm not the football guy. I went 0-3 in our Pick'em Challenge. I'm terrible. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm almost as bad as T-Bone on our one one ESPN pick'em challenge. You are getting very, very close to where I am in yeah, the pick'em challenge. I know. I need right to get now. this. I need to get this done. I think I'm ready to break a table this week, so we All can right. do that. My mouth's better. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. No context <laughs> needed. Right now, we are going out to the Brown and Crippen celebrity line to be joined by a host on MLB Network Radio, one of the best in the business. He's Mike Farron joining us here on 101 ESPN. Mike, we always appreciate the time, man. How you doing today? 
I'm good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. So let, let's start out. I want to ask you about the Cardinals here in just a moment, but the game tonight is intriguing to me between the Red Sox and the Yankees, and now it's going to be not including J.D. Martinez as he's been left off to the off the roster with that ankle sprain. How do you size these two teams up going into tonight's wild card game in the AL? Well, I, I think it's a pretty significant potential loss for Boston in that you know, in addition to Martinez just being a good hitter overall, he's one of their better hitters against right-handed pitching. And while his career numbers aren't that great against Garrett Cole, he's you know, a very, very difficult at bat and can wear down a starter, um, you know, almost on his own. So I think it's a significant loss for Boston in that. It's very difficult to try and say that it's going to be the tipping point in any one game because – who knows what's going to be the tipping point in any one game, right? I feel a lot better telling you about if they were to play 162 times without J.D. Martinez, it would have a more significant impact than if, I don't know, like, you know, Travis Shaw comes off the bench and hits a miraculous three-run homer tonight, right? Like, that kind of stuff happens all the time. So I, I don't know that it necessarily is, uh, in the end, what would cost Boston the game, but it is something that's of, of major concern just in this, from the standpoint of it's going to uh, make them adjust. Now, all that said, Bobby Dahlbeck was much better against right-handed pitching in the second half of the season. He'll likely start at first. It allows them to put Kyle Schwarber at DH. Obviously, he's not the best defender, so their defensive outfield with what will likely be Verdugo, T.K. Hernandez, uh, Hunter Renfro gets a little bit of a boost from that, too, because it's not a great defensive team overall, especially with their left-side infield defense. So, um, you know, there are a couple of trade-offs in that, but, man, I would feel a lot better about Boston's chances with J.D. Martinez in the lineup. Uh, Mike, going on to the other wild-card game, the Cardinals and Dodgers, you not only work for MLB Network Radio, but you're the host for the Arizona Diamondbacks as well, so you've seen a lot of the L.A. Dodgers this season. Is there a is there a strategy of beating these guys for the Cardinals in a one-game? Well, I mean, I think the thing that, that stands out the most about L.A. is that they you know, offensively, they just don't chase pitches outside the strike zone. And now that's going to be mitigated a little bit by the fact that Max Muncy isn't likely to be available. I don't think they've made the announcement yet, but it sounds like Muncy would not be out, would be out at least through the division series, if not longer, because of the elbow injury he suffered on, on Sunday. Um, he's one of the best at, at just like shrinking the strike zone and making you come at him. And so I think that's a, um, you know, the biggest thing for me with them is that they just don't chase. You have to find ways to beat them in the zone. And, you know, I think the one advantage that Adam Wainwright has is that he can make that strike zone look a little bit bigger and use the, that, that fastball and that cutter just on the edges of the zone that are in that gray area where they have a swing-no-swing no swing decision. And if you force them in more swings than you thought they were going to need, you know, that's that's a that's a real neat trick if you can pull it off. So I'm, I think that that's maybe the biggest advantage there, that and the fact that without Muncie, they probably get a little bit more right-handed or at least the, the damage guys are a little bit more right-handed because Bellinger's had such an off year. So that I think plays into the Cardinals favor a little bit as well, but man, they are tough to pitch to. And listen, they've got a hall of famer that's going tonight too, like a no doubt first ballot inner circle hall of famer. And, and for once it's not Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the part that I think makes Cardinals fans the most nervous as we're talking with Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio here on 101 ESPN. The Dodgers lineup is what it is, and it's it's a daunting task for anybody, Wayno or otherwise. 
But Max Scherzer on the mound is something you just don't want to hear going up against you. And I'd rather hear it once in a one-game setting as opposed to hearing about their entire pitching staff in a five- or seven-game series. But is there anything that you've seen that opposing pit, uh, hitters have done that has given Max Scherzer issues, especially in, in his last couple of games? I know he, the, the results haven't quite been as good as they were previously. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just command you know, more than anything. I mean, I think every pitcher goes through that over the course of a season. I mean, his eight prior starts had been as yeah. good as anybody who had ever been acquired at the trade deadline, right? You have to go back to, like, Randy Johnson in 98 or like Doyle Alexander in 1987, <laughs> like find guys that had had uh, post-trade performances like Scherzer had. So I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. I mean, listen, Scherzer is murder on right-handed hitters, and the Cardinals have a predominantly right-handed lineup. Most of the damage comes from the right-handed guys. I mean, I think the fact that Carlson's hit for power in the second half is great um, and might bring a little bit more balance, but O'Neill, Goldschmidt, Arenado, you know, those are the key guys, and they're going to have to face a guy who just absolutely destroys writing. So it's not an easy matchup, but I think you make a really good point in there, too, and it was one that I made yesterday. Like, I feel a lot better about the Cardinals' chances of beating the Dodgers in a one-game playoff than I do in a five-game series, because I don't think they have the depth necessarily to be able to beat the Dodgers there, but they don't have to beat the Dodgers there. They just have to beat them tomorrow night. And the matchup against the Giants, I mean, listen, the Giants are interesting because they are a really deep team that uses all of their pieces. They're like a veteran version of Tampa Bay, and so they're really good in that regard, but it doesn't have the same kind of high-end, high-octane starting pitching that the Dodgers do that in a short series can really give you fits. And Mike, there's a lot of matchups that I'm looking forward to in this game. And, like, I'm going individual matchups here. Like, beyond the Scherzer, I'm kind of intrigued of what this Cardinals offense can do against the Dodgers' bullpen or possibly the bench bats for the Dodgers of how they look against Adam Wainwright if they start to plug and play with pinch hitters right away. What's the what's the individual matchup you're looking forward to most in that wild card game? Well, that's a good question. I don't know that there's any single one that I've looked at and gone, man, that's a really good one. I mean, I, I think behind Scherzer, like Trinan, Knabel, Jansen, those guys are also really tough on righties. So I don't know that I, I necessarily feel great about any of those matchups just on paper. You know, again, that doesn't mean anything with, with one game. Like Cardinals might come out and bomb Scherzer early and, hey, it's all over, right? Like you can throw all that stuff out once the competition begins. But I don't know that there's one in that. I mean, I would think that just based on the makeup of those rosters that, like, Dylan Carlson plays a key role tomorrow for the Cardinals. I think he's an important guy. I think the the problem with the Dodgers is that there's no break, right? So you get down to the bottom of the lineup and you start facing, like, Will Smith, who's been one of the most productive offensive catchers, and A.J. Pollock, who's been relatively healthy this year and had an amazing year for L.A. Like, you start getting into that sixth and seventh spot in the lineup, and there's not going to be a breather for Wainwright. So I don't expect Adam Wainwright to go particularly deep into this game. I think some of that pressure is going to fall on the St. Louis bullpen to soak up some innings because the Dodgers are going to make them work. Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio is our guest here for another couple of minutes on 101 ESPN. Uh, Mike, I did want to ask you, you have such a long history of covering Paul Goldschmidt out there in Arizona, and I I can't remember a time. I mean, it, It's not like he's been here a long time, but... I can't remember him having more fun than what I've seen from him over the last really month and a half or so here in St. Louis. 
He's been a pretty darn good playoff performer in his limited experience thus far. Is he the type of guy that you would expect, given how process-oriented he is, to have a lot of success in a playoff run if the Cardinals are able to win in this wildcard game? Well, I think I think the thing that gives – I mean, yeah, I mean, I think – listen, he's, he's a star-level player, so I think he's the guy that you need to show up against the best pitching anyway, right? So, yeah, I think just from that standpoint, he would um, – I think beyond that, just like his his ability to shrink the strike zone to what he wants to do with it. I mean, what he wants to do with the pitch. I mean, that's what you've seen over the last two months with him. That's when Paul's going at his best. So I think, you know, those are really good qualities to have when you get into a postseason series. And, you know, you know Max Scherzer's going to throw strikes. There's no surprise that Scherzer and Goldschmidt, you know, he's seen him enough over the course of his career. He's watched enough video on him. He's going to be plenty prepared. And I think the other thing that's, you know, got to be nice, I would think, for Paul is that he doesn't have to carry all of the load. You know, he might be the main offensive piece, but the secondary guys are pretty good. I mean, especially Arenado. And I know Tyler O'Neill's had just yeah. a monster second half. I mean, hell, I voted for him for actually player of the month, too. I mean, you know, I, 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 it was a well-deserved award, but, like, it, it's it, it's a really – um, good middle there. It's a thick middle that they have to work through. Goldschmidt is, again, he's one of those guys that can make Scherzer work a little bit, and maybe it fatigues him a little in an inning, and he makes a mistake to Arenado, and you know, Nolan will be a little bit more aggressive. So it's a good compliment, and it's a good one-two with those two guys. Man, I can't wait to watch this one. Cardinals-Dodgers tomorrow night. Mike Farron's going to be all over it over on MLB Network. You can, MLB Network Radio, excuse me. And you can also follow him on Twitter, at Mike underscore Farron. Mike, we always enjoy having you on the show, man. Thanks so much for giving us your perspective on this wild card matchup. Hopefully we'll talk with you again soon. Bye, man. Enjoy the game tomorrow night. Absolutely. Same to you. That is Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio here on 101 ESPN. Man, he mentioned what Max Scherzer has done since being traded over to the Dodgers. You can even go further back than that. He His team has won each of his last 13 starts. Wow. His team that he's been on, whether it be the Nationals or now, of course, the Dodgers, in his last 13 games in which he has appeared, his team went on to win that game. Pretty damn That's impressive. Crazy. Um, the other thing that he mentioned is how incredibly difficult it is as a right-handed hitter to hit against Max Scherzer. Bet it or forget it, Lars Newtbar or Matt Carpenter are going to have a big hit if the Cardinals come away with a win tomorrow night. We'll do that next on 101 ESPN. Vegas sets him up, and we're here to make the call. It's BK and Ferrarios. Bet it or forget it on 101 ESPN. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service X line for Bennett or forget it. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider, joining the show coming up in about ten minutes or so. He'll probably tell me I have something smart to say about hockey. Always enjoy hearing that from Who him. Tells you that you did once today. I just said <laughs> that was a good point. I don't think it was I've a ever, milestone. I think I've ever said that's a smart hockey take. Like let's pump the brakes here a little bit. Hey, listen, I don't say a whole lot of smart things on this show, so when I do, Truth. I take advantage of them. Let's play a game of smart. bet it or forget it. Bet it or forget it. We just heard from Mike Farron of MLB Network Radio, who mentioned, and we know this to be true just by watching him. Do but we? He mentioned it as well. Max Scherzer is dominant against any hitter he goes up against, but he's especially dominant against right-handed hitters. 
So bet it or forget it, Lars Newbar or Matt Carpenter will come up with a big hit against Scherzer tomorrow night. Now, are we talking off of the bench or are we just going in the game? Well, they're not. I would assume that none of us think they're starting. No, no. But what I'm like double switch. They stay in the game. No, but what I'm saying is like, are we putting that against like any of the starters coming up with a big hit? Or are we just saying they're the ones that are going to have a big hit in the game? Because I would originally say I would forget it because I think Tommy Edmond is going to be the one that comes up with a big hit in this one. But if you're going off of the, the, the fact of a pinch hit roll, then, yeah, I would bet it. Because if it's Lars Newtbar or Matt Carpenter, I mean, who are the lefties for the Dodgers that they'd be using out of the bullpen? Because I mean, most of their big guys are righties. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, they don't have lefties that, like, make you... To make you nervous going up against, right? At the back end of their pen, like the last three innings, they're going to be going to right-handed pitchers. Yeah, so if I'm going to go off of one or the other, and I know a lot of people are going to pick Lars here, I'm going to pick Carpenter. Because I, I think he was robbed a little bit of not having that final game on Sunday. And if this is his final opportunity as a Cardinal, I would put my money on a Matt Carpenter big hit off of a righty. I'm with you. I, I, I'll bet this. I think that one of those two lefties will come up in a big spot come through for a hit and I am kind of leaning towards Matt Carpenter heck he's due he's been there before he's done it against the Dodgers on the big stage in the past so I think I could see Matt Carpenter do it and hell Lars Newpark could do it that guy put the tongue out let it fly baby well yeah amen brother put that on a t-shirt I'm gonna bet it and I think it's gonna be Matt Carpenter this let feels like poetic fly. justice it, right, it, that's it, a BKL. it feels like in a game made on Newpark in a game such as this <laughs> Matt Carpenter, maybe it's just a big plate appearance and he has a walk that ends up being significant for him. I I don't know what specifically the situation that will arise is, but I have a feeling Matt Carpenter is going to come to the plate in a moment where all the Cardinals fans are watching the game. They're saying, oh, my God, you're going with Matt Carpenter here. How are you going with Matt Carpenter in this spot? And then he gets on base somehow. And then Mike Schilt is just going to milk that in the postgame. Oh, yeah, we got to celebrate. We reaped that harvest. That's right. He is. It's a bountiful harvest that he is finally able to to take. So I I think there's going to be a big moment for either Lars Newbar or Matt Carpenter. If I had to bet on one of them, I think it would be Matt Carpenter. I still can't get over BK's excitement for a walk earlier in the show. I'm a, you're turning around. On you're me going to him like right it. at a walk. You're going for him to a walk, baby. In this game, man, that might be what ends up winning them the game. Problem is, is that you get <laughs> yeah, but then what do you do? You slow. put Newpar in as soon as Carpenter gets on to run. True. You, know, something- you just went through two guys. I mean, I might put Kisner in there to run. Something that I'm curious mm-hmm. to see. Then Ali Sanchez is your backup. Well, you don't have. You're probably not carrying well, that, him. That's what uh, I was about no, to ask BK's you guys. Uh, yesterday, and I agree with him. I, I I would consider carrying Ali Sanchez just to have a backup yeah. in case. That way, you can use Kisner off the bench. BT said it yesterday, and that's I agree with him. That's a really them. good idea. Yeah. Because I was reading on. I didn't hear BT. I saw it on MLB.com, and they were given like uh, something with the roster. Is there a surprise move that the Cardinals could make? It's from Zach Silver, and he said they could consider the idea of carrying a third catcher because then you can use Kisner's bat, and, and it's, yeah. I think it's worth something. Another one that he had mentioned was Justin Williams. I don't know if they'll do that or not because he's been tearing it up in AAA. But it's another it's another option for you in terms of speed. So, you can get a lefty, too. That's something yeah. that I was thinking about. Do we know the rules on this now? Because I know the rules changed for everything in September. Are you allowed to now bring up kind of the way that you used to be able to do if they're on a your guy 40 from man the roster. minors as long as they're on, on your 40-man roster? Yeah, if they're on your 40-man, so. why yeah. wouldn't you be able to? I think that's how it works. There well, is some rules where like, I know you can't just trade, put a guy. You had to be there yeah, on Ali, August 1st. But Ali Sanchez isn't 
I think as long as oh. you were on the 40 man by a certain date. Yeah. yeah. So Williams 40, would have been there the whole time. And Williams has been there all season. Yeah, because Ali Sanchez is in Memphis and you would bring him up. Okay. And, and I loved BT's I think point. Ali Sanchez is technically on the uh, taxi squad right now, if I'm not mistaken. Do they have a taxi squad? They don't have yes. a taxi squad. They do. I, I, they I don't understand how nine, any I of think. that works this okay. year. But I keep telling you, stop living in 2020, man. It's a new year. Yeah, seriously. I know. It, it's weird the way that it works, but this is where we are. He strikes out fishing Justin the same Williams as you two. probably the only one that makes sense in terms of the 40-man roster. He'd be an intriguing guy to have as Speed. a pinch run option. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the only reason I'm putting him here, though. And, and He's honestly, a runner. I, I know that we talk about, well, here's all the guys you can carry on your pitching wise but how many of the starters are you going to really use like They're John not. Lester that's what BT said yesterday John also. Lester? I don't think you can I'd be John fine Lester. with Michaelis and Lester being down especially if you're expecting to use them in the first two I, games of the DS you're not using either of them in this game yeah you're not I think I would keep Michaelis and I would send Hap I wouldn't put Hap there but I think Hap might be a reliever for you in the yeah. in, in this run over KK and Hennessy's Cabrera and TJ McFarland no but I'm saying in the postseason as a whole yeah so but just I'm thinking like, wild card game like, I wouldn't have Hap on the wildcard roster. I would have Michaelis and Wayno along with Hudson and Flaherty on the wildcard roster. But the reason what, I, what I'm saying is I think Michaelis is going to start for you in game one or two. You're not using him out of the bullpen in the wildcard yeah, game. Yeah, but it's like, what? I forgot we had so many great guests on today. Terry Collins, I believe, said it. Like, you can't focus on game one and game two. You got to win this game. I know, but what is the scenario in which you're going to Michaelis? Under Wayno's getting pulled in the first. Then I'm if going that's to Hudson. The case, you've probably lost. Oh, that too. I don't disagree with you there, but I, there's no scenario in which I'm going to Miles Michaelis in this game. I just I have no. to have long man options in my bullpen, and right now, if I don't, and Hudson's there, and we've already talked, you guys don't feel that comfortable with Jack Flaherty. I think I need See, another I'm, long I'm man option. With, if I need long man options, a I think the game's already lost, so I'm going to go to a guy like Jay Hat, probably maybe Jake Woodford, two guys that I think could give me three, four innings. Yeah. Hopefully keep the game yeah. so close rather than possibly burn a Michaelis if I come back and get to the NLD. Given Michaelis's health situations over the last year or so and how much they're going to need him in the DS, I think him and Lester, if you're going this route that you're talking about, Alex, it is a really interesting possibility. Those are probably the two starters that I would hold off of my wild card game roster. And then you could add a guy like Ollie Sanchez is your third catcher and Justin Williams as a potential pinch running op- option for you. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense because then you can use, if you get into a big scenario where you need a right-handed bat and you've run through a lot of your options, Andrew Kisner is another uh, hitting option for you as well. Yeah. And, so, and, well, and like you said, you could use Kisner as a runner because I mean, yeah. he does have some wheels, which that's, that's what the only, my only concern with Matt Carpenter. If you used him to get on base with a walk, you got to have a pinch runner. And I don't want to use two guys off of my bench if I'm going to need them late in the game. That's interesting. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Hey, coming up next, we're going to talk to our guy, Jeremy Rutherford. But we got to tell you about something cool that we're going to do here pretty soon. It's the uh, Blues Season Preview Party. It is next Friday at Copper Fire. Join us for a Blues Season Preview Party at Copper Fire in Belleville, Illinois. The Blues are kicking off the regular season next Saturday. And to celebrate, we're hosting a day-long live broadcast at Copper Fire Friday night. Hang out with BK and Ferrario, myself, and Alex will be out there from 11 to 2. We'll be broadcasting live. The Fast Lane will be out there from 2 to 6. And then, how about this? One more could you ask for? A live last-minute Blues podcast with Jamie, Donnie, and Burton from 6 to 7 o'clock as well. Special guests, appetizer specials, specialty drinks, and a Blues giveaway every hour from 11 to 7. It also includes a chance to win signed pucks, a signed Ryan O'Reilly jersey, blues tickets, and much, much more. It's all at 101 ESPN's Blues Season Preview Party next Friday night. 
Copper Fire in Belleville. Put it in your phone now. Get all the details at 101ESPN.com. We'll talk some blues with JR next on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to talk a little blues hockey with our guy Jeremy Rutherford via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. With Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. JR, what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, not too much, guys. Uh, just chatting with two of the guys I had to cut the other day at start bench. And I really going to do this? You and Tanner, huh? Yeah, Jr. BK is a little sensitive about it. He had to like force me to apologize to him yesterday on the air, and T Bone was playing love music. It was really uncomfortable. I have another song if we need it. No, we don't. Oh. Jr. I, I thought we liked each other, man. I thought we were good. We've hosted shows together before. We text all the time. I thought you were my boy, and then uh, I listened to the morning show, which you did a fantastic job. You were you were being held back by your host. The Whoa. the driver did a poor a poor job of setting you up for success. But you and Mark Saxon were outstanding. I thought Emily Butcher produced one of her best shows she's ever produced. I, I thought you guys were great, and then I hear. Yeah, if we had to get rid of one of these guys, obviously, BK's the one that's got to go. It obviously. was very disappointing. All right, uh, well, let me ask you a question, BK. Where would you put you in that start bench oh. and cut? Oh, don't worry, JR. I asked him this yesterday, and I said, I'm in the, I'm in the scenario that he was in with Randy Stalter it's and Ferrario, and he's like, oh, I, I'd start Ferrario. No, I'd start Stalter. <laughs> I told you this, that he is my mentor. He is uh, one of my groomsmen. He's one of my best friends in this world. So I would start Anthony Stalter, but uh, Alex would be right there at number two, and, and I think... I think Randy would appreciate the fact that I would put him third and I'd have to cut him because this is my teammate and I'm always here for my teammates, unlike See, my teammate. Again, JR, somebody's a little sensitive today. Yeah, so- sounds like it. All right, JR, let's talk a little blues hockey. Um, you have a piece up from earlier today over on The Athletic. People should subscribe to your work over there. They can follow you on Twitter at JP Rutherford about your projected lineup for opening night. What is the biggest surprise to you about that lineup compared to what you were anticipating going into camp? Well, it's definitely Jake Neighbors playing on that uh, top line with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. But please, please, please let me explain myself. Listen, Jake Neighbors may not make the team. Jake Neighbors may get a nine-game tryout with the Blues, and then they send them back to junior hockey. And in December, we're watching them play in the World Junior Championships. However, there's nobody who could be out at Blues Camp for the past few weeks and watch these preseason games and say that he's not the number one story out there and say that he doesn't deserve a chance to play these at least nine games with the Blues. And you can debate whatever you want in terms of what line does he fit on. But you have to put young players, I think, with responsible players. Who more responsible than Ryan O'Reilly? O'Reilly Perron have that chemistry. So he's going to play there tonight against Dallas in this preseason game. And then Craig Burby will get a real good look at how he handles himself there. But to me, he's been the story in camp, and I think he's got a real chance to make this team. Jared, that's the part that really struck me with the lines that you tweeted out earlier today because it seems like they're still trying to find a spot for Jordan Cairo, right? They've tried him with O'Reilly and Perron. Um, I don't think they've tried him with Thomas yet throughout camp, but they've tried him with Shannon Buchnevich, who he's going to be skating with tonight. Are they still looking for somebody for, or are they still looking for somebody to play with Shannon Buchnevich, or do you think they're still trying to find the right chemistry for Jordan Cairo? Well, Craig Ruby talked about that a little bit today. He had Cairo with O'Reilly and Pran recently tonight. As you mentioned, he's going to be with uh, Shannon Buchnevich. You know, there's a fit for Jordan Cairo on this team. His skills lend itself to that with his speed and his ability to break plays open. So they're going to find some chemistry. It's, 
it's just going to take some time. So the biggest thing to me with Cairo is that uh, I think he prefers to play the right side. I think he's more comfortable there, uh, but the team is pretty stacked up on that right side. And so somebody's going to have to move to the left at, at times. It's been uh, David Prawn. We've seen Buchnevich go over there in camp, but to me, those guys, you know, they're veterans. They want to be on the right side. Cairo might have to play on the left. And I think that's going to take some tinkering to find the right chemistry with his line mates. JR, what's the battle for the fourth line looking like right now? Yeah, I'll tell you what. If you look at today's lineup, going into tonight's game against Dallas, this fourth line of Joshua on the left, Logan Brown in the middle, and Clem Costin on the right, I mean, you might, you're going to have to listen to 101 ESPN to hear how they do the games. Not there you on go, TV your company, tonight, man. But, yeah. Yeah, so, so listen to Curbs and, and Joey, uh, but focus in on that fourth line because this really could be a battle for these last couple Roster spots, I tried to break it down as best I could as to who might make the team in terms of the fourth line and the couple extras that the Blues will likely carry. But it could come down to what Craig Ruby and Doug Armstrong see tonight with these three playing. Joshua's had a really good camp, I think. Logan Brown just got here recently getting into, I believe, his second game. And Clint Costin looked like he got dinged up the other night in Independence, but he was back out of practice the next day. And that's got to be a sign of him saying, there's no way I'm sitting out of this lineup with a chance to still make this team. Uh, so we'll see how things shake out, BK. But right now, there seem to be four, five, six guys in play for those last few spots. Yeah, that was hurtful, man. Like, you didn't even say, be sure to listen to Alex's breakdown on the intermission tonight. <laughs> that was hurtful, man. Thought we were buddies. Man. You guys are all over me. Yeah, we're all sensitive today. Hey, JR, I did want to ask you about Scott Perunovich, and if you'll allow me, I want to read your tweet that you had from Craig Berube. Uh, this is what Craig Berube said after practice. Well, obviously play um, like Perunovich, done a great job. He's been an impressive player in camp and in games. Wallman, Mikla, they've done a good job too. This is the quote that got me. We have the D that was here last year, the 7D, and they've all done a good job in my opinion. They're probably right where we want them to be or thought they would be. Perunovich is a guy that's a different element. Does that mean Perunovich is pretty much solidified a spot to start this season? I don't think that he has necessarily solidified it where he's on the team right now. He might be, and I think they're going to give him every chance to be on that final roster. That's why he's in the lineup tonight. If you guys look at this lineup, Alex, I know you've talked about it. This is an NHL-laden lineup. A lot of their guys that are going to be in the opening night lineup are on this roster tonight going to Dallas. And you look at this third pair. I really like it. Nico Mikula, they need some physicality back on that defense. He's shown a little bit of that. He's got the size. He's got the long stick. He's going to be playing on the left side. Scott Perinovich playing on the right side. You got your top four D playing. This looks like a possibility for that third line, or for that uh, third defensive pair. And you listen to Craig Berube today. You know, he said all the right things. We feel like we've gotten what we expected out of these 7D that we carried last year and we brought back this year. But he went out of his way to say Perinovich brings a different element and he has impressed us all. So here's a guy, you know, I know people are saying likely he could start the season in Springfield, but this is going to be a very, very tough decision for the Blues. JR, when you look at um, some of the tryout guys in particular, you mentioned Logan Brown in the last uh, last answer that you had for me too. Uh, James Neal is a guy that we've talked so much about with Alex, and he had that hat trick for the Blues. Uh, what do you think are the chances for him to be able to make this opening night roster? I still think there's a chance. I think they like the ability to have a veteran guy like uh, James Neal, and he's had a, a good camp. Uh, Craig Bruby paid him a, a lot of compliments after that game in Independence the other night. I think it just gets a little tricky. And you, you talk about the salary cap. Do they have the space to sign them? Well, if you put Oscar Sundquist on long-term injured reserve to start the season, 
you know, you open up uh, 2.75 million in cap space. Perhaps you can get James Neal signed. Um, and then when Sunquist comes back, you're going to have to figure out a way to, to find some cap room. Maybe that's Jake Neighbors going back to junior hockey after Sunquist comes back. So I think there's some maneuverability there for Doug Armstrong in terms of the cap. Uh, but to me, if you're not going to sign James Neal and play him and perhaps plug him into that top nine, you know, I, I don't think you want to play him on the fourth line. You got some options. We just talked about them and you're not going to sign him and put him in the press box. So to me, I think that's why they're taking this good long look at Jake neighbors. Is he the guy that could fill this hole? So bottom line on Neil, still a possibility, but I think they're going to have to do a juggling act to make it work. Jared, final one from me. There's three more games for preseason, including tonight. And you got a back to back, which is why we haven't seen more roster cuts. I would imagine. When do you think they get down to that final roster? Is it going to take till Friday or would they want to cut it down before Friday's preseason finale? Yeah, they'll be cutting down uh, soon for sure, Alex. But I think with these back-to-back games, Craig Ruby said today that, what do they got, 19 forwards in camp? You, you suit up 12 uh, tonight and tomorrow night. So some guys are going to have to play uh, the back-to-back. So you could potentially see some cuts um, after tonight's game, but I would expect more after the Wednesday game in Minnesota. And then you have that final uh, preseason tune-up Friday against Columbus. And then uh, they're going to have the week of uh, no action before they start the regular season. The team's going to be going on a team bonding trip and, and, uh, and get away for a few days and, and really get down to their group. And, and so to me, probably see some cuts tonight. Craig Bruby said they likely won't recall anybody to come back and play tomorrow night's game, the back-to-back. So I expect that you're going to see some guys stay and finish up this back-to-back. JR, we appreciate the time as always, man. We're going to be checking out your work over at The Athletic for any reporting that takes place over the next couple of days with these roster decisions. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, and we'll talk with you again next week. Anytime, boys. Got it. That is Jeremy Rutherford joining us here on 101 ESPN. What are you most interested in? The next two games, tonight and tomorrow, both of which you'll hear right here on 101 ESPN. Most interesting thing for the Blues in their next two preseason games is what? I think it's two things, so uh, I'll... Tie for first. I'll sit on the fence for you. That's right. It's the battle for fourth line because I do agree tonight's fourth line is going to be going up against what tomorrow's line looks like of McEachern and Clifford and probably Ivan Barbashev playing on it. Um, but it's Scott Perunovich because I know what JR said. And look, I do know that the Blues really like Jake Wallman. But if Scott Perunovich goes out and dazzles tonight and if he plays again tomorrow, which he might, I don't know how you pass up on him. So those are the two things I'm most interested in. Looking forward to that again. You'll hear that right here tonight. Blues versus Stars pregame coverage with the one and only Alex Ferrario coming up at 6 o'clock. We'll cross things over with the fast lane next. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. fast lane if you missed anything from today's show highly recommend checking out the podcast page 101 espn.com and the 101 espn app on your phone is where you can find it lots of really great interviews terry collins former mets manager eno saris who's one of the best baseball writers in the country matt adams joined us mike farron of mlb network radio and we talked with jeremy rutherford about his projected blues opening night lineup as well all of that over on the 101 espn app hey a couple
coming up next Thursday, October 14th. It's what Anthony Stalter, I remember uh, doing this with you a few years ago. You've always called this one of your favorite days, one of your favorite things that we do here on 101 ESPN. It's the Military Appreciation Live broadcast out at Scott Air Force Base. The Fastlane will be there 2 to 6 o'clock next Thursday. It's for service members, their families, anyone currently on base. It is a special Fastlane Military Appreciation live broadcast Thursday from 2 to 6 at Scott Air Force Base. It's brought to you by Budweiser and Air Comfort Heating and Cooling. I love that. I, you're right. I love that that remote. It's one of it's one of my favorite remotes. We all know people that have either served or are serving in our in our military, right? Whether it's a family member, uh, my grandfather fought in World War II. He's a paratrooper. Uh, my my father was in the army. My father in law, who has since passed, he was he was in the army as well. We all know somebody, right? Friends, mm-hmm. brothers, sisters. So being out at Scott Air Force Base, and it always it actually the day always reminds me of Dunk too, because Dunk and I used to love going out there, and we were always absolutely blown away by the fact that everybody on base would come up and thank us. And every single time, Dunk and I would look at them and say, no, thank you. Thank you for what you do. What we do is is nothing compared to you. Candy store. Yeah, exactly. Uh, prote- protecting our freedom, right? So I always, I, I always enjoy being out there. Always winds up being a fun broadcast. And next next Thursday, it won't be any different. Looking forward to that. Hopefully, you guys are previewing or talking about the Cardinals advancing from the NLDS. That'd be nice. It'd be either previewing Game Five or moving on from Game Four. Fingers crossed that that ends up being the case. Stoltz, I would imagine you guys are talking a lot of Cardinals today. What else do you guys have coming up today from two to six? Well, I want to make sure that everybody knows that we got John Mozela coming up at five fifteen. Oh, fantastic! So we'll talk. We'll talk to the president of baseball operations at five fifteen. We'll also talk plenty of Cardinals with Danny Mack at 2.30. And uh, I've got to take more punishment today. Four straight shots. What know. happened? You know, this, this simple, the simple answer on that is I'm, I'm trying to pick too many underdogs. I'm trying to I'm trying to pick too many upsets. I feel you there, Stoltz. That's what I'm doing. I haven't been shot, but I feel you there. He's picked the Lions every week. That's not, not true. good. I haven't not gone true. that far. <laughs> I haven't gone that far. But, you know, perfect examples last night. I took the Raiders. Uh, 3-0 team on the road. But Justin Herbert, Justin Herbert put on a show. Well, am I shocked? Am I shocked that shocked that the no. Chargers beat? No, but I took a I took a shot there, and I'm going to take a shot later on today. <laughs> take four of them. Yeah. Uh, really quickly before we get you out of here, the Chargers. Where would you rank them among the AFC contenders right now? Man, they're good. First of all, the Dolphins screwed up. Like the Dolphins blanked up big time. Yeah. I, I thought they were right. I, I would have gone to as well, and I was wrong. Well. In, Her, Herb, this is not the Herbert that I watched at Oregon. No, it's not. He's unbelievable. And you know, too, the the Chargers didn't trade up for him. No, they had every opportunity to go up for him. They didn't. They didn't recognize that he was going to be what he is. They were fine, reportedly, with either Herbert or Tua. The Dolphins made that decision. Mm-hmm. So, in fairness to teams like the Dolphins, or you know, hey, the Lions, they took Jeff Akuda, who had a brutal rookie season ruptured his Achilles in in week one they had an opportunity to take Justin Herbert so it's it's not it, it it's still not an imperfect science right drafting the the quarterback however getting back to your question sorry where are the charges right now in the AFC if I'm not doing the where do I think everybody's going to be at the regular season just what I've seen thus far I think I would go Bills one and of course they get a big test I would still go Chiefs, even though I'm sure you've got the questions about their defense as well. Everybody and, does. You know, the turnovers. They're valid. I think, I think they overcome that in, in the long run. But then I probably have the Chargers three. 
They're the best team in the AFC that I've seen so far. Now, that doesn't mean they'll finish there. I want to be very clear there. That does not mean that they will win the AFC and they'll end up in the Super Bowl. But out of all of the teams that I've watched from the AFC from start to finish of the season, the first quarter of the season, basically, they're the best one that I've seen. They've got a coach now, too, that's not going to allow them to lose games like that. I think with Anthony Lynn and Justin Herbert apparently said this after the game where we lose that game last night, we lose that last year. And it's largely, he wouldn't say it, but it's largely because of Anthony Lynn. How many close games did they lose last year that they could have won? Yep. Have they completely turned the page there? If they have, yeah, the Chargers are going to be a team to reckon with They're all year. winning on the margins, and they were a team that lost on all of the margins previously. Sure. They're going forward on fourth downs. They are aggressive defensively. They have a scheme that, instead of exposing some of their players, it emphasizes their best guys. They're, they are really fun to watch. Looking forward to the fast lane. They've got John Mozeliak coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, Danny Mack in the 2 o'clock hour, plenty of Cardinals between now and the end of the show. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 right here on 101 ESPN. It was you think was walking around the clubbusters? No momentum here, guys. Nobody has momentum every day. in here. Every day. Nobody believe in momentum. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.